got me thinking that I'm wasting my time. Don't bring me down. No, 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 no. Woohoo! Okay, well. <laughs> Enough of that. Um, it is Sunday night. Actually, it's early Monday morning. And it's time for the early Monday morning sit. Uh, I don't know what time it is. Um, I think it's like 3 o'clock, 3.14 a.m. actually. Computers do have uh, clocks on them. Pretty accurate. Um, this is Dr. Zom. And um, I'm going to do a little impromptu Zomcast from Zommania, a Zom communication to the Zom listeners. Um, we had a bit of a scheduling problem uh, this week. Uh, we've been hitting it about every two weeks because um, it's pretty much about the only time that we both have the same day off. So, uh, But we had a little problem this time, so um, instead of putting it off for another two weeks or however when we're going to do it, because I was thinking about taking a, a few days off from Zivirk and going and uh, actually getting out of the house and going and doing something other than just getting in the car and driving to fucking Walmart and indulging uh, my apple fritter and uh, iced coffee uh, fantasy like I did tonight. Um, so anyway, I was kind of bored and I thought, you know what? Okay, I'm not going to talk that much about like... Uh, the movies I've been watching because, you know, I kind of want to save those uh, to do with my pal uh, and partner, my life partner, <laughs> the loaf. Um, but so, uh, you know, I just thought I'd do a little impromptu show. Got some things to, you know, just I jotted down just to talk about. Um, and I don't know why. I, I don't know if this will come out uh, worth, a, worth a damn or not. I did, um, I'm going to break this down into some little subsections. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't bring anything in here to drink, so um, if I get a little hoarse, I might have to uh, whinny into the microphone. But um, first thing, you know, I, I picked a... I, I actually was going by some of the stuff that I had posted on um, online, uh, like some opinion things and stuff like that. And... Um, one thing I saw, I think uh, Dennis Quaid turned 63, I believe it was, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, or, well actually to the, yesterday is today now, because it's past midnight, but uh, I was looking at, you know, just kind of wanted to look at some of his filmography here and, uh, you know, maybe kind of talk about him, at, you know, what I think of him as an actor and everything, because um, he's been around for a long time, I remember... Um, Seeing this guy, gosh, I mean, I, I'm not even exactly sure the first time that on his filmography here, um, I see is uh, Breaking Away, uh, you know, which was a really good movie um, about some young dudes that um, lived in a, in a uh, kind of a, they were the kind of blue collar kids in this town and uh their dads worked in a quarry, I believe. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm just going from memory. So um, they they uh, actually, it was almost kind of like um, 
the outsiders where you know they they were the 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 greasers against the socias and these guys were the blue collar kids of these you know guys that worked in a quarry and um they were called the cutters because their dads were like stone cutters like i said just going from memory if i'm fucking any of this up you know who cares <laughs> but anyway um this was really good uh a really good movie anyway to to start with um the the young or the Dennis Quaid wasn't the star he was one of the friends of of the guy who was the star of the of the movie but the the um the young guy that's the star of the movie he's kind of the kid that when the, the dad uh just kind of looks at him like you know he loves him but he's like you know how can he be my son you know i'm sure a lot of dads are like that whether you know the dad's a big jock and he wants his son to be a jock but you know his son isn't into that or uh his dad's macho and the son's you know or macho man's man or whatever and the son's you know whether he's gay or into art or you know who knows what not to say that you can't be into sports or whatever and be gay but i just one of those deals where the where the dad is just kind of like dealing with the fact that his son is a different person and an individual i really like the movie um it's kind of a sports movie uh in a way because they do deal with uh, they have a contest a cycling contest uh it's like a relay cycling contest but dennis quaid's in this and um the one thing i always remembered about him was uh he's got a lot of natural charisma first of all he's got this uh what i what i uh dub as the shit eating grin kind of this this uh this grin that i think that uh like i like the the girls would love it and the guys would be like you know he's he's kind of funny because he gives like a the little shit eating grin you know when he's trying to either get in a girl's pants or you know does something funny or whatever but not only that but one thing i always remember about dennis quaid and i posted some pictures about this is the guy seemed like he was always in tremendous shape and i i think i remember that that uh, i had heard at one time that he had actually you know he did some kind of boxing training like that's how he worked out at which i assume would be like push-ups sit-ups and a lot of stuff like that just skip rope um and um so he was always even though he wasn't like a real big guy he was always really cut up and i posted some pictures on you know silver and gold group and uh and it shows him like when he was in his prime probably like 30 years old and he has this body like a kind of like a male model like i said like a you know maybe like an amateur boxer but then they showed a picture of him i, I posted a picture that i found when he was 61 and he still kind of has that same body i'm like jesus christ you know this guy's still put together so i don't know if he's got any kind of enhancements or not but uh and i know at one time i remember reading a, an article i think it was in like vanity fair or something um uh, that melanie uh, not melanie griffith meg ryan is who he was married to and he was married to meg ryan when she was like the the cutest thing in hollywood like the girl next door all american kind of you know little high school cheerleader looking girl and she was really cute um and i think her sister wrote this article and it it kind of uh dealt with uh i, I just remember in the article them talking about a christmas uh 
dinner they had with their whole family and how he was in such a really crabby, shitty mood and just was like, you know, grouchy and barking at, 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 at everybody and everything. And then he went outside and went to their barn, I think they said. And uh, she said, you know, he just kind of disappeared. And the next thing you know, when, when he came back in, he was like, hey, everybody, what's going on? Hey, you know, and he was just like the life of the party. So I think they, they, it was uh, an article about his uh, drug problems and uh, – I uh, believe the drug of choice was cocaine. So, uh, yeah, it, it perked him up. And uh, <laughs> like I said, made him kind of the life of the party. But, uh, you know, when, when you're coming down off that, I guess uh, you might uh, might be a little bit grouchy, you know, need a little little pick-me-up. But that was uh, Breaking Away was like 1979. Like I said, that was a really good movie. I remember the guy that played the dad, and I, I don't want to click on my IMDb because I'm going to fuck everything up as usual when I do these things. But um, he was from uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia, and um, he was really good, you know, really good like, character actor. And uh, that's up from around where I grew up. Uh, next thing, uh, Long Riders. Uh, he played Ed Miller. Uh, in that, and that's a movie about Jesse James and uh, the uh, Cole Younger, the Younger Brothers, the James Brothers, uh, Millers, and uh, their gang of uh, like uh, uh, Old West outlaws uh, post Civil War. Um, he the 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 thing about that movie that was you know really interesting, you know, was that all the brothers were played by brothers, and you had James and Stacy Keach, you had. Uh, uh, all the, you know, the David Carradine, Keith Carradine, Robert Carradine, and you had, uh, Stacy, uh, I mean, um, uh, Dennis Quaid and Randy Quaid as brothers. And, um, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, also, um, um, a second generation actor, James Whitmore Jr. was in that. He played one of the Pinkertons and, um, Tim Rosevich, uh, who his brother, he and his brother, Rick, were actors. Tim was a, a former football player for the Eagles and I think the um, San Diego Chargers. And he was like a real crazy wild man kind of a guy. Uh, I remember NFL Films did a thing uh, about him and he was kind of like a, even though he was a jock, he played in like the 60s and early 70s and uh, real crazy hair, big bushy, like Fu Manchu mustache, wore the tie-dye. I think they kind of said, you know, it seemed like they were kind of impl- saying that he might have been a little bit uh, out there as far as uh, maybe some LSD or something. And um, he was known for like, um, I don't know, like eating light bulbs and lighting himself on fire and shit like that. So he eventually became a stuntman, and then you, you, if you, you know who I'm talking about, you've seen him in several uh, movies and TV shows. I think he was on the Rockford Files quite a few times. Magnum PI. He was he was in a lot of stuff, and uh, also his brother Rick, uh, who was not in the Long Riders, I don't think he was in um, Top Gun. He was um, uh, Iceman's uh, uh, wingman. And like in the volleyball scene where Goose and Maverick are playing Iceman and his partner in volleyball, he's the muscular guy in volleyball. <laughs> and excuse me, he um, was also in the movie Roxanne with Steve Martin, and um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. But he's been in a lot of stuff. But it was, like I said, that movie was just kind of cool because, like I said, it was not only it was a good movie, and I liked. Uh, I was always interested in the um, old west kind of historical stuff I, when I was in high school and uh, uh, junior high and high school and things like that I would look up a lot about the the uh, Old West uh, lawmen and outlaws and I really liked it I thought they did a really good job 
um, you had Remar in that one as um, um, Sam Starr, uh, and he has a, a knife fight with uh, David Carradine, who was Cole Younger, over uh, Belle Starr, and uh, she was a whore, and that's why David Carradine liked her. He said, you're a whore, and you'll always be a whore. And then he's like, that's why I like you. You know, he's like, gives her all this affection after he tells her she's a whore, which... You know, he wasn't calling her whore like she liked to sleep around with a lot of guys. She was literally, that was her job. <laughs> she That was her profession. Uh, next thing I see here is uh, Caveman, and that was kind of the Ringo star. Um, uh, his wife, Catherine Bach. Uh, was it Catherine Bach? Hmm, I'm, I'm thinking whether she was, I'm mixing her up with uh, Daisy Duke. Um, Jesus Christ, better look that up because I don't want you to think I'm a moron. I believe Barbara Bach, uh, Catherine Bach, I think was Daisy Duke. I didn't even get to it; it just came to me. But that was a good one. It was kind of like a funny, funny, um, almost like a a cartoon brought to life, uh, you know, uh, uh, on screen. They had like a big. Uh, it wasn't even CGI. I believe it was like claymation, kind of, you know, uh, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, and uh, even bigger and more intimidating than t- the Tyrannosaurus Rex was uh, John Matuzak from the Oakland Raiders as a big hairy, kind of a bully caveman. He was the alpha male caveman, and uh, you know, he was always trying to get the woman. And here's little, you know, Ringo, um, you know, trying to trying to protect his woman. I guess I haven't seen that one in a long time. Either. That was 1981. Uh, the night the lights went out in Georgia I'm going to look this one up I yeah Christy McNichol I was going to say I, I remember seeing this and I think that it actually Dennis Quaid uh, does some boxing in this um, I don't remember that much about it um, because it's been so long since I've seen it I remember, you know, just going, uh, like I said, this is kind of an impromptu uh, show. This actually had Mark Hamill in it, too. That's a surprise. I forgot about that. Um, Don Stroud. Might have to watch this again. Uh, it had some good people in it. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't think it was like anything like super duper great or anything, but uh, I just remember Dennis Quaid. Mark Hamill plays a cop in that. And uh, Christy McNichol at the time was, uh, you know, uh, kind of like America's sweetheart. She was the girl that like all the guys liked. Uh, and you know, she, she, you know, later on, I believe she's, you know, a lesbian or whatever came out and had a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, problems with depression and stuff. She kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. I know she did like a TV show, um, for a while. She did the TV show when she was a kid, which of course what made her famous. But she did another one later when she was older. It was like her and another actress. Um but this one I I remember it being kinda of entertaining. It's kinda of like one of those um country like a uh, a movie that takes place in a country, a small town stud. I guess that's Dennis Quaid because he shows his abs and shit. Um Wants to go to Hol- wants to go to Nashville and be a big country star. His ambitious kid sister works as his manager. Uh, when they cross paths with the small town sheriff, their dream be- comes in jeopardy. So Mark Hamill must play kind of a little dick in this. You know? <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, from watching this, or you know, just 
not going from memory because my, like I said, I've probably only seen it a couple times. And one of the times is probably back in 1981 um, or on HBO. Um, I was thinking that uh, Dennis Quaid and Christy McNichol were like a love interest, but uh, you know, that was probably more like a um, Kay Parker version of the movie. So anyway, I'm going to look that. I'm going to keep an eye on that one and uh, find it and watch it again. Just so we can, you know, maybe I'll talk about it on the show. Because I do want to kind of see, you know, this is after uh, this is after Star Wars. Uh, I, you know, like I said, Star Wars came out in 77. And this one came out in 81. So who knows when they shot it. So, you know, it's kind of weird that off of, uh, you know, uh, Star Wars, the big hit that Mark Hamill uh, uh, plays a, a bad guy in this. Uh, and uh, I remember he was in another one, Corvette Summer, which I liked when I was a kid, with Annie Potts. That's another one that you kind of, you know, it, I, don't, I don't remember that much about it. I just remember, you know, loving cars and all that shit. Uh, Tough Enough, I think, was the one where he does the boxing. Yeah. An aspiring country western singer, just like he was in the uh, fucking uh, one I just talked what the hell is that cocksucker called? The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Okay, in this one, he's an aspiring country western singer whose money is disappearing faster than his career opportunities. He enters a tough man amateur boxing contest to earn some pay. Um, let's see. This was the one where he fights, he boxes in the bars and stuff. And uh, I remember this one being kind of, you know, pretty entertaining. It, again, is like a, um, what do you call, what the hell do they call those? Uh, I always want to say like kind of like a country uh, movie, but um, a rural, rural kind of a, a movie. Uh, and I know, I wonder now if um, the reason, you know, because I know Dennis Quaid, I think he always kind of wanted to be a, a singer. Because in that last one, you know, uh, uh, they said it was a country singer, wanted to go to Nashville and sing. Uh, in this one, he's a country uh, singer or a singer, and uh, he has to get in a tough man contest to pay his bills. Now, uh, and then he played Jerry Lee Lewis in Great Balls of Fire, and he wanted to do his own singing, but he was horrible. And if you watch uh, The Big Easy um, with, um, oh, what's her name? Ellen Barkin, uh, which is, I like that one a lot. Uh, He sings in that one in his own voice, and he's horrible. But, you know, he's one of these guys. He's probably like Russell Crowe. He's he's worse than Russell Crowe, but um, uh, one of these guys that kind of fashions himself. He can play, like, acoustic guitar, and I think he kind of fashions himself a singer, but he did not have a a very good voice at all. Um, This one has a pretty good cast. Like I said, this one is called Tough Enough from 83. Okay, you have Dennis Quaid. You have Stan Shaw, who I like from... Boys from Company C, Snake Eyes, and some of those movies. Pam Greer, uh, so that's a definite plus. Warren Oates, Bruce McGill, D-Day from uh, Animal House, Wilford Brimley. So this one had a pretty good cast. Again, this is another one. I might have to go back and check out. And they have, like, on the IMDb, the uh, I guess it's like the poster or whatever, is Dennis Quaid in a pair of blue jeans with boxing gloves on and just ripped to fucking shreds. His, You can see, like, the... The stri stri stri. I always want to say striations, but I think it's striations of his muscles and his chest, and the, you know the cuts and the fucking uh, you know the cuts and the and the and tremendous uh, musculature, as George Takei would say in an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Um, 
It says here that, uh, I think I brought this up one time before, that Dennis Quaid was actually in stripes. He played an uh, uncredited extra at the graduation ceremony. Uh, like I said, just going through some of these ones that I have actually seen, because you have Jaws 3D. I don't remember jack shit about that, even if I've ever seen it. He plays Mike Brody in that, which I'm assuming was Chief Brody's kid from the first one. Um, I don't remember anything about that. I probably saw it, but you know, I don't remember anything. The next one that I remember vividly was The Right Stuff, where he plays Gordo Cooper, or Gordon Cooper. That was a really good movie. Um, I have I I'm, have a lot of interest about the the uh, you know race to the moon and space flight and uh, Chuck Yeager and John Glenn and all these guys that this movie is another one it's kind of like the Long Riders that just has such a great cast you have Ed Harris um, you had um, uh, Scott Glenn uh, of course Dennis Quaid Fred Ward lots of good people in this uh, Sam Shepard plays um, um, Chuck Yeager. Goddamn, how did I fucking draw a blank on him, his name? I just fucking said it. Plus, he's from West Virginia. He's a big hero. Um, really good movie. If you haven't seen that one, that's that's a that's a top-notch uh, flick there. And not not only is it um, have it does it have a lot of history in it that I think need you know was kind of cool that they they made a movie about it and told it, but it's got some funny stuff in it too. Like when they're going through their tests uh, to see if they're physically fit to, to be an astronaut and they get like the fucking barium enemas and, uh, just watching, um, uh, Scott Glenn and, um, uh, Ed Harris trying to hold in, you know, their fucking enema while they have to walk. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know how far to the, to the bathroom. They're all hunched over. Their faces are all fucking distorted. That's pretty funny. A big favorite of a lot of people. I know on, uh, on the group when I just posted, like I said, the, thing, you know, uh, what's your favorite Dennis Quaid movie is uh, Dreamscape. And this is a, a 1984 uh, sci-fi movie um, that was shown on uh, HBO a lot back in the day. Um, hang on one second. I want to look something up on this one too, Daddy-O. Um, I just remember watching this a shitload of times. And it's, like I said, sci-fi movie where they, they kind of... Um, you go. It, it, it's almost kind of like a precursor to Inception. It doesn't have all the all the uh, CGI and all the special effects and everything, but you can go into dr- your dreams and you know like uh, do things and <laughs> they put you under and you you can go in there and battle people and shit. <laughs> like somebody can get into your dreams and like if they can cause you to. Uh, I think I'm going from memory. If they can go in there and you can't wake up, and they scare the fuck out of you and cause you to have a heart attack or something, so he has to go in and kind of like be the hero and put a stop to it. Again, this one has a really good cast: uh, Dennis Quaid, Max von Sydow, Christopher Plummer, Eddie Albert, um, Kate uh, Capshaw, who was fucking hot, George Went, Norm. Um, what's his name from? Um, I think. Uh, this is David Patrick Kelly. I believe he's the guy that was, uh, you know, warriors come out and play. And I just remember he was, they were on like this, in this dream. And uh, one of them, I think it was him. He had like these fucking nunchucks and he's doing like, uh, cause when you're in a dream, you can do anything. Like when I fucking, uh, did the, uh, uh, Kung Fu karate move on the fucking, uh, you know, the, the ghost head or whatever. That ghost head was kind of like a ghostbusters. You know, the one that was in the, um, uh, it was kind of a combination between Zardoz and the floating thing in the uh, museum that that jizzed all over Bill Murray. 
Uh, again, the Big Easy. This was a good one. This was when Ellen Barkin was really in her prime, and she was fucking hot. Um, um, the it takes place in uh, the Bayou in Louisiana. Um, just remember from this one again, Dennis Quaid could not sing. He plays a cop, and I believe John Goodman is his partner. And uh, it takes place in the in in the Bayou. And so they down there, and they talking like uh, Dennis Quaid. He talking like this all the time, uh, sort of. You know, I guess that's kind of the accent. Uh, probably not. You know, it's best I can do from memory. But Ellen Barkin at this time is like she was in this and like the Sea of Love with Al Pacino. And I mean, what a bo- I mean, she just had a body for a, just a great fucking natural body, and she would wear really tight clothes. Now this is a kind of a. I don't know if I would say it was a noir, because it, it is kind of a detective. It's a steamy detective movie, I guess, is what you would call it. Because uh, it uh, there was some... This is one of those movies that it really built up the... And I'm not talking about like them having like any gratuitous... Uh, sex scenes where they show a lot of nudity or, you know, people actually banging or whatever. It was just steamy. It's one of those ones that they really build up the passion and everything and and uh, between uh, Dennis Quaid and Ellen Barkin. And uh, then when Dennis Quaid and John Goodman had the uh, threesome with Ellen Barkin, that was really good too. Uh, just kidding on that one. Uh, next one is another one that seems like a lot of people on the GGTMC or GGTMC in English um, is Interspace. Um, this one is kind of like one of those, um, what was the one? I think it had, uh, Raquel Welch in it where they, they shrunk you down and injected, um, the, the injected them in a little kind of like microscopic submarine or something into some, uh, politician's body. And they had to go through the respiratory system in the veins and everything. And they're getting attacked by antibodies. This was kind of, if I remember correctly, inner space <laughs> again this is another one that i haven't seen in so long that it's kind of uh kind of hard to remember that much about it other than i it was good i i need to go back and watch some of these and this also stars little cute meg ryan who became mrs dennis quaid for for quite a while i believe and then she kind of got tired of his shit uh martin short i think and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong on this um does he play like the the computer, like the the ship that they're on, like the voice or something? I don't fucking remember. Kevin McCarthy was always good. He always played like a sleazy guy. I remember uh, in that um, uh, Rod Taylor Hotel movie, uh, you know, he was really a pompous, you know, really just kind of like a Donald Trump kind of a guy, rich asshole. Uh, Vernon Wells, of course. Uh, what's uh, uh, what's the matter, John? Uh, from uh, uh, Road Warrior, Lord Wes, uh, and also Comiendo. Uh, he was had the Freddie Mercury mustache and the chain mail shirt in Commando. Um, need to go back. I'm telling you, people, I uh, need to go back and watch some of these Dennis Quaid movies. Uh, he had a he had a string there that was pretty pretty good uh, of um um pretty good run of movies. None that I mean, it's some of these you know they weren't like. Ex- Exceptional, but they were good. You know, he, he didn't have too many duds. Um, suspect, I think this is the one that he did with Cher. Um, and uh, it also, I believe, has Liam Neeson. Oh, suspect. Hmm. Where the fuck that motherfucker at? Uh, let's see. 
Yeah, like I said, I, I'm trying to bring this son of a bitch up. I should have, you know, like I said, I'm just going through the list, so it's kind of difficult for me to uh, keep my list straight, as you all know, because it's always like that with me. Yeah, this is what I'm going to share, Dennis Quaid, Liam Neeson. Uh, I think in this one it's kind of a courtroom drama and kind of a little bit of a mystery where Liam Neeson is this uh, homeless guy, um, and he's... Um, accused of killing somebody a judge commits suicide and his secretary is felt murdered a homeless deaf mute man which is liam neeson um is arrested for the murder public defender share is assigned to the court uh as his public defender uh she uh she sets to find the real killer and gets help from a congressional advisor who is dennis quaid so anyway i remember that one being pretty good don't remember a lot about it. This was when Cher was having a pretty good run. I mean, you know, she went from fucking being a singer and, like, you know, and part of the singing duo Sonny and Cher and started fucking making some pretty good movies. This one and Silkwood and, uh, um, oh, what the hell is that? The Mermaids. And she, she made some pretty fucking good movies. Pretty good actress for, uh, I don't know if she was ever trained as an actress. I'm not sure. Uh, next one is DOA, which was a remake of the, um, uh, movie with uh, Victor Mature, I believe. Uh, Dexter Cornell, uh, English professor becomes embroiled in serious murders involving people around him. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's uh, a good reason to want to find the murderer because I think they poison his ass and then he only has like a certain amount of time to fucking, uh, you know, find the murderer. Good cast in this one too. Again, Meg Ryan, this is one of those deals where they were like the power couple for for a while. A hot moment. Uh, it was more than a hot moment. They were they were together for a while. Um, and Meg Ryan was just so cute back then. I hate to compare it, but like if you ever watch porn, Ginger Lynn when she was really young and she was like just this young cutie girl next door, the girl, the cute girl from high school, kind of like that's she was the uh, Meg Ryan of porn. <laughs> Charlotte Rampling, who was always um, let's see who else was in this some bitch. But anyway, like I said, I like the one. Uh, I think this was the remake of uh, the one with Victor Mature. It was like noir, and they just kind of wanted to redo it. Which I like that. I like the original. Man, that was that was a good one. That was a classic, classic noir. Um, Great Balls of Fire again. This is the one about Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, who was pretty much child molester, screwing his um, his cousin. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like I don't know. Winona Ryder, I believe, played. Uh, his his uh, young K Parker uh, taboo love interest cousin slash fourteen uh, year old wife or something. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was pretty much a fucking sleazy weirdo, crazy man. Could have possibly killed uh, one of his wives. His nickname was actually the Killer. But like I said, Dennis Quaid. At least he didn't sing in this. He does. Uh, you know, he, he, I just remember, like, I think, uh, what's her name's, uh, Winona Ryder's name was Myra, and he'd be like, but I love you, Myra, and he, just the way he, he hams it up, trying to do an impression of, of, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis is pretty horrendous, even, and it's entertaining because it is, uh, at least he does not sing in his own voice, which if you do watch The Big Easy, watch the part, my sister, my older sister, loves, I mean, uh, the part where um, he sings in that fucking movie at some uh, fair or something, a big big outdoor country dinner or whatever. Um, Everybody's All American. I really like that one. It, it was kind of like a, went through the life of this young, young guy who uh, became a uh, huge 
uh, college football star. And of course that's Dennis Quaid. And, um, he, uh, has it all in, in like high school and in college, he's kind of like the, uh, Red Grange or something. They call him, I think they call it the gray ghost. His name was Gavin gray. And, uh, he, uh, Jessica Lang, who back then, uh, was super hot. She was even super hotter back in like the mid seventies when she was in King Kong, but she was still hot in this. Um, they both, it's one of those ones where you, they do a good job of it, but you kind of have to suspend disbelief. It's sort of like Peggy Sue got married where they show them and they're, they're supposed to be like, uh, high school or, and then, uh, in college and they're actually probably in their like mid thirties or something. And then they go all the way up to the part where he gets all this adulation and everything. And then he goes to play pro football and he plays for a super shitty team. I think it's the Broncos. It just gets the crap knocked out of him all the time because they're just horrible. Gets all the, you know, uh, beat up and bruises and everything. And, and, um, just, becomes uh disheartened because um the team just really sucks and um and then it shows when he start when he gets out of football and he becomes a broken down old man and he's doing the autograph signings and will put his name on anything like uh at a casino or a hotel and he just he's like the greeter because he's famous and he just gets sick of it and he becomes like a drunk and shit but that's a really good movie i'd like to watch that one again too dig it uh postcards from the edge i haven't seen that one i believe that's the one that's the um kind of like the movie about uh, uh, Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher's real life. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't know who Dennis Quaid plays in that, but I don't think I've ever seen that one. I believe that I bought it, but I haven't watched it. So I need to watch that one. That would be a good one to watch, especially since uh, Carrie Fisher here recently, you know, passed away and I just saw her in, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, in Rogue One, uh, which was kind of a nice little, nice little thing, you know, uh, uh, that they did there. Um, oh, let's see what else we have. Flesh and Bone. That was one with um, James Caan and Gwyneth Paltrow, and also Meg Ryan. This was a really kind of a kind of a. Sp- it had a really spooky feel to it. Uh, Dennis Quaid plays this guy, and his job is uh, uh, he he goes around from like town to town, county to county, in his pickup truck, and he has all the vending machines. Um, where he goes and puts the quarters in and, you know, uh, collects the quarters and resets the machines and all this stuff. And then they have these chickens that you bet and they poke out like a bingo thing or something. But he has like a, he, he meets this uh, girl who is kind of uh, hooked up with her boyfriend who knocks the shit out of her and then Dennis Quaid kind of rescues her and she starts tagging along and of course that's Meg Ryan who was really super cute again but he's got this this secret past and uh, the past comes back to haunt him in real life and sort of uh, it sort of has a metaphysical feel I don't know if they really go all the way with it as far as that goes but it really kind of has a spooky ghosty kind of a kind of a feel to it i kind of i this is one of those movies that a lot of people kind of went meh to but i just liked it uh first of all james Conn's in it uh scott wilson is in it too and he has uh like one of those um small parts in it but his he really kind of steals the scene does just such a good job i really like him a lot uh this is an old favorite i have it on vhs uh, and then there's uh, Wyatt Earp, uh, where he plays Doc Holliday. Are you my friend, Wyatt Earp? 
do you want me to call you wider up? <coughs> and choked me up just doing that. This is the one where Dennis Quaid kind of tried to do the Robert De Niro, where Robert De Niro gained like, you know, fucking 100 pounds, or, or Christian Bale and uh, uh, Matt Damon were in different roles where they lost down to where they weighed like 120, 130 pounds, actually put their life at risk, losing so much weight, and that's what... Uh, you know, Dennis Quaid did in this, uh, so he could play the emaciated lunger, as they called him. You know, he's got tuberculosis on lunger, um, as Doc Holliday. He does a really good job as Doc Holliday in this, as, as kind of a, probably a more realistic depiction of Doc Holliday, but, uh, I think, um, what's his name, uh, Val Kilmer, what's his name? Val Kilmer, uh, I like his, uh, portrayal of Doc Holliday and also Kirk Douglas, Jason Robards too. Um, because they're just more charismatic. This one may be more real, but I don't know. I just, this movie, I didn't like it as much. It's kind of more like a, um, like I said, it's more realistic probably than Tombstone or Gunfight at OK Corral and stuff like that. But it goes through the life of Wyatt Earp, uh, with Kevin Costner playing Wyatt and Wyatt Earp. Sometimes Kevin Costner's voice just kind of, you know, he's like goes into town and all these guys are shooting their guns off and he comes out, shoots this shotgun up in the air and he's like, I'm Wyatt Earp. And it's like, okay, that, that voice would not fucking be scaring me too much. Anyway, but this is a good movie. It's just, you know, it came along right at the time of Tombstone. Tombstone just had more of the Hollywood version, more colorful, more colorful characters, more charismatic characters. You know, I like it. I'm Wyatt Uh, I was kidnapped. Hmm. I'm not so sure. Maybe I'll look and see. Kidnapped? Well, I don't know. He says he was in that, but I don't know what the fuck it is, because it doesn't have Jack, hardly Jack shit. Unless it's, uh, it doesn't even have a description or anything. Stars Hansa Zipwantka, Leslie Moulton, and Dennis Quaid. Has no description, has nothing. Uh, hmm. Remade as Switchback. I know what Switchback is. So, and that's coming up uh, here shortly. Uh, maybe that was like a a um, documentary or something about the the movie that they made. Um, anyway, Dragonheart. That was one I believe was Sean Connery plays a dragon. A dragon. Well, I got a piece of gum in my mouth, so I can't get my lips pursed. What are you doing out there? My name is Bond. James Bond. I, lo- I always love the... Um, the line in the Bond movies where, like, somebody says, uh, you know, my name's Bill Smith. My friends call me Lucky. And fucking James Bond's like, my friends call me James Bond. I don't know why I find that fucking line so fucking funny. My friends call me James Bond. Switchback, which is the one with Danny Glover and uh, uh, the Joker from uh, fucking... Uh, Suicide Squad, whatever, Jared Leto. Uh, I've reviewed this one on the show or on one of the uh, goddamn fucking shitty uh, uh, shows that I do by myself. (laughs) While back on it, just not that long ago. So you can, it's it's not bad. It's kind of like a, it's not great. But this is one of those ones, like, it it was also like Flesh and Bone. I remember reading in this one and in uh, Flesh and Bone that one of Dennis Quaid's big things as, as far as like being a method actor was he decided he wasn't going to smile throughout the whole movie. Like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Parent Trap, that's a remake of uh, the Haley Mills movie where she plays her own uh, twin sisters. 
or plays twin sisters and uh, separated. Uh, one of them went to live with the mother. One of them went to live with the father. Then they go to a, um, a uh, whatchamacallit, summer camp, and they don't know each other, and everybody's like, hey, you guys kind of look alike. No, I don't. That girl's a bitch, and they look exactly like. I think Lindsay Lohan's in this motherfucker, but I didn't see it, so I don't care. <laughs> uh, Frequency is one where he uh, plays uh, Jim Caviezel's dad, who's dead from, like, another time, and there, and if you mess with this wireless radio, you know, you can go back in time, and the son's talking to the dad, who's dead, but he's talking to him back in time, trying to help him out so he doesn't get killed. So it's Jesus and Dennis Quaid. Uh, you know, I guess Jesus could probably do that you know, with the radio. Uh, Traffic, that was one that uh, won the Academy Award. No, 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 no. Did it, well, I can't remember if that one won the Academy Award or not. It's a good movie. I like uh, Benicio Del Toro's part in this the most, the bestest. And uh, also has Tomos, Tomos, <laughs> Tomas Milian. Uh, Michael Douglas got really great cast. This is a Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, power couple movie. Uh, but Benicio Del Toro is the best part of this movie, I, me thinks. Um, anyway, it's a pretty good movie. It's by the uh, Soda, Soda Burr, one of his better ones that doesn't have Sasha Gray in it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. The Rookie was a sports movie that I uh, kind of liked. It's a, kind of, a, I think, a more of a low-budget, maybe like a Disney movie. Um, let's see, Dennis Quaid. Uh, this one was uh, like the the guy Dennis Quaid plays. Is, it's a true story. Jim uh, Morris. Um, he was a major uh, pitcher, and I think he got to play like in one major league game, uh, but he he fucked his arm up. So then he never got to play. But then and it never healed right, so he never got brought back up to the show. And uh, but then when he gets older and he's almost like fucking you know mid thirties or forty or something like that. Um, he just by accident is fucking around and uh, somehow realizes, you know, that his arm is kind of like healed. He gave up on his dream and uh, he goes and tries out for a pro team. I can't remember who it was, uh, but I like this movie. It's a kind of a feel good movie, you know, makes you feel good deep down in your loins. Well, not like that, but it's still good. Um, the Alamo. Uh, Another one where Quaid, it's kind of an ensemble cast. Uh, my favorite guy in this is Jason Pat. Well, geez. Okay, Jason Patrick is really good as uh, Jim Bowie, but, um, and he's just really excellent because he's almost like goddamn Wolverine from the fucking uh, X-Men. He's such a badass and everybody's just afraid of him. But Billy Bob Thornton as Davy Crockett is fucking awesome in this. Uh, this is one I would watch just for some scenes where that uh, uh, are uh, where Billy Bob is in, like uh, the main uh, part of the scene. He is so good in this as Davy Crockett, and they, I really like this one because I think they played it. Uh, it was a lot more real and authentic than any of the ones before them, like you know the John Wayne, which I like the John Wayne movie and everything, but it was more of a, you know, a sixty fifty, uh, uh, you know, kind of late fifties, early sixties Hollywood western version of what happened and everything uh billy bob plays the davy crockett character as a real person you know and uh i just man i fucking goddamn i don't know who won the academy award that year but man he was fucking good uh dennis quaid plays sam houston in this one and uh, uh that's the one uh richard in the uh, the one with uh, john wayne um richard boone plays sam houston um Quaid's performance in this isn't like a super duper standout, 
you know, Patrick Wilson was really good as Travis. Um, but uh, I still, like I said, this was Billy Bob's movie, and uh, Jason Patrick was really good, even though he's, I've heard he's a real asshole in real life. <laughs> Day After Tomorrow, that's kind of one of those ones, all oh, the end is coming, blah, blah, blah. Dad's out there, and the son's trying to find him, and yada, yada. Is that the one where, is it Paul Dano? No, Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I, I don't remember, I think I've only seen parts of this, but I believe in this one where they have like a, okay, Jack Hall, a paleoclimatologist, must make a daring trek across America to, to reach his son, you know, yada, yada, yada. Okay, who else is in this son of a bitch? It's one of these ones that I just, you know, I don't know, it's kind of like one of those big budget uh, disaster sci-fi kind of things, and I didn't have a lot of interest in seeing it. Uh... Yeah, I still don't. <laughs> I'm sure he was probably good in it. Um, let's see what else we have. Flight of the Phoenix. The most I can say about this one is I like the original with fucking Jimmy Stewart and uh, uh, Hardy Krueger and uh, all the, you know, who the fuck else was in that son of a bitch? Boy, that was a good movie. Um, now I have heard a lot of people say that they really liked this one and thought it was, uh, you know, equal to the original. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi, he, I, I, I don't know. Eh, he's all right. Hugh Laurie, uh, the guy who plays House, I like him. He's been in some good stuff since then. Um, like I said, I'm gonna forever compare it to the original, and that's an old favorite that I used to watch on like WTBS. Uh, it was on all the time. Um, eh. Let's see, what else we got here? I'm, I'm quading out here. I'm starting to get to where I'm, I don't really give a shit about some of these movies. See, he's starting to, he's starting to fucking uh, hit the wall here, I think. Uh, Horseman was a, was a okay one. Uh, he plays, um, I think he, this is the one, what's it say? Recently, what a detective, still grieving over his wife's, discovered a shocking connection between serial killer spree and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay, this one, I've not seen this one. This was not what I thought it was. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass that one by. That's. That seems like one of those ones that was like a uh, just went straight to DVD. Uh, Cobra, GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. That's all shit. I mean, I don't know if you like it. That's fine, but it's. I. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe the. I would check out the one with. Uh, with the. Uh, the Rock. <laughs> Bruce Willis. I remember seeing a little bit of it on TV, uh, just catching some of it and thinking, okay, but that that first one was fucking crap. Um, I don't like that. Uh, what's his face? Um, what the hell's that guy that dances and shit with the muscles and the you know ah whatever his name is? What the hell's that dickhead's name? I don't care. Anyway, Pandorum. This was a pretty good uh, sci-fi. Um, uh, outer space movie. Uh, it has uh, Ben Foster and Cam Giggadigoo. Cam Giggadit. Um, I don't remember a show. Norman Reedus was in this too. I watched it, but uh, it, it was pretty good. But um, I don't know. Nothing. I don't think I'm going to go back and uh, and revisit. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, what's this one What's in here? <laughs> I like how I'm just going through. What's this? Uh, Legion. That was the one about the uh, angels. And Paul Bettany is a fucking angel. And yada, yada. Uh, I've seen this a few times. It's like one of those biblical things. They're at a diner. And there's going to be a war in you know the, the goddamn end of days. And uh, Paul Bettany's coming down. And he's an archangel. And maybe he's going to help out. I don't know. I saw that. It wasn't very good. Uh, 
Footloose remake. Did not see it. Like I said, you know, Dennis Quaid had a pretty good run there for a while. Now he just fucking petering out here. So um, we may end end the Dennis Quaid uh, discussion here. Um, you know, like I said, Footloose. I saw a movie that he was in, and I thought it was this Horseman movie uh, where he's like in um, Yugoslavia. I wonder if they didn't put a uh, put the wrong. Uh, the wrong description on that one because I thought there was one he was in where he um, he is like a mercenary or something in I believe in like uh, former Yugoslavia when they were having all their troubles over there and it's kind of like one of those deals where he finds a baby and I'm just going from memory and and he you know kind of he goes from being this cynical guy who's just destroyed and and has nothing to live for, so he goes over there to fight, uh, and, and he doesn't, you know, he hates life because he's so sad about lo- loss and everything, but then he finds this baby, and he has to take care of it, but I can't, I thought that was the horseman, but anyway, let's move on from this Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid-dom. Um, <laughs> I'll check the time on here, because I'm rambling about Dennis Quaid for fucking 45, 48 minutes, um, but we're going to move on. I did, um, like I said, I have my three shows that I'm watching uh, pretty religiously now, which is uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, got caught up on that. Um, I really, I mean, the whole, the whole, um, the whole idea of this show is as this team of um, kind of uh, not the biggest. Uh, DC Comics like heroes and they're like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman shit like that. These are kind of lesser characters but uh, uh, they hook up with this guy and he's a uh, time kind of like cop who goes back and makes sure people don't fuck up time which like the Flash is constantly fucking doing because he's a big crybaby because his mom got killed. Anyway um, and their whole thing is um, at first is you know uh, you you have to go and uh, when these assholes go back in time, whether they're heroes or villains, uh, and they screw things up, they have to go back and set them right. But by going back themselves, they start, you know, things get fucked up and they get put in situations or anything. But I really like this. I got caught up on it. I, I, I really like that. Um, what's her face? Oh boy, I really like her. Um, Jesus Cristo. How can she not be on the goddamn. But anyway, it's the one that plays, uh, um, <laughs> White Canary. And uh they have some good people on here, Vandal Savage and uh you know some of the some of the villains, the goddamn um asshole uh I like Dominic Purcell in this. He's really good. Um who the hell are these other ass? How the hell can they not you know, when you bring up the cast, you don't have the all the fucking people on here listed. How can that be possible? Unless I brought up a fucking something else. Anyway, whatever. You know, they have uh, Victor Garber. I mean, you know, it says narrator, but he's not the narrator. He's in the fucking show. This IMDb is shit. Anyway, let's get off here. Maybe I don't know what this is. This is not what I wanted. Their time is now. Maybe this is just a specific episode. But anyway, people, I'm just I'm just at a loss here. I'm trying to I'm trying to do a good thing. Uh, Brandon Routh, who played uh, Superman. I really like him. I like him in this a lot as uh, Adam. Uh, Katie Lotz plays Sarah Lance, who's White Canary. 
I like her a lot, even though, you know, hey, she's a lesbian, but like I said, you know, I'm not going to ever get her. I just think she's really cute. She's badass. She's an actual, like, dancer and, and does uh, marsh, her own stunts, martial arts and shit, which is pretty cool. Dominic Purcell, who is, like, become becoming the king of the straight-to-DVD movies, he's fucking funny in this. He plays Mick Rory, and um, he's just such a uh, kind of like a a brutish ape kind of a guy. I really like him. Uh, just about everybody in this is good. I, I, I love the show. It's it's one of these ones, though, I have a lot of problems that I've said before in comic books about them doing too much time travel stuff because they do things and then it doesn't mean anything. And there's times when I'm watching this that I forget that and someone will get killed and I'm like, God damn, I can't believe they just did that. And then, you know... But it's still, it's just fun. It doesn't, I was going to say, it doesn't take itself too seriously because there's elements of it that don't and it's lighthearted and it's fun. But then there's some really mean, badass shit in this where you really can't say that because it's kind of like, oh my God, you know, just some nasty shit happens. Um, So I'm watching that and then Happen Leonard started back up and I'm kind of going through that pretty quick. Um, I like this uh, new season. It's the Mojo season, I guess. Uh, I never read the books or anything. I think Dave Mack and maybe and uh, some other people have read the read the books. But um, just the chemistry between uh, James Perfroy, who plays Hap Collins, and uh, Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, who played Omar in The Wire, um, and uh, Chalky White in uh, Boardwalk Empire, plays uh, Leonard Pine. Uh, their friendship just you know makes the whole thing. Uh, this new season is. Um, I just was kind of wondering because they're just kind of like uh, low budget kind of schlubs. They both have really good hearts and everything, but you know they don't they don't have a lot of money. They work just kind of like crappy jobs and everything. But then they get thrown into these things where they're almost kind of like uh, put in a, a situation of being kind of like low budget detectives, almost like the one with uh, Robert Culp and uh, Bill Cosby. Um, but more on a rural, I keep going rural, rural kind of an atmosphere. Um, this season has been pretty good so far. Um, uh, it's one that I, I'm glad they didn't wait too goddamn long because some of these shows, I'm trying to think one, there was one here recently that started back up and they took so goddamn long. Well, that like, well, this isn't just recently, but that show, The Killing on AMC, I loved that first season of that. And I was like, man, I can't wait. And then it, it, they they took so long to decide whether they were going to do a second season that by the time the second season came around, not only did I forget about it, but I just didn't give a shit. You know, they, they just really fucked that up. Uh, the other one that I watch religiously now, of course, this one puts them all to shame. This one puts fucking a lot of the series that I've watched in my life to shame because it is so original and so different is Legion. And I don't give a shit. Okay, I read comics, but this one just walks on the periphery of the character that was in the comics. They they haven't they haven't went uh, all the way with that uh, with who he's associated with and everything because he was never really a huge character. That's why when it first came out, I wasn't even sure. I would see the commercial and they would show this guy sitting on this chair in a swimming pool. And he just kind of looks up, and there's all these people kind of standing around the edge of the pool. And 
you knew it was some kind of, I thought maybe it was like Legion, you know, like a call me Legion for we are many, like some kind of a exorcist kind of a thing or a demonic possession thing. But I didn't know it was the character Legion from the comic books. Like I said, he wasn't really a big, big character. And I thought when I found out, I was kind of like, that's kind of a weird character to fucking make a whole show about. But God damn it is good. Every character in this I like. Um, and as it goes on, uh, this fucking guy, Jermaine Clement, or Clement, uh, who plays Oliver Bird. Holy shit, do I fucking love that guy. I mean, he is so good. Um, see who else is in this. The, um, the guy, Dan Stevens, who plays uh, David Haller, a.k.a. Legion. They never call him Legion in the show so far. Uh, he is awesome. Uh, uh, the Rachel Keller, who plays Sid. Uh, it's really good. Aubrey Plaza is fucking awesome in this. Everybody in it's fucking good. The whole fucking show is good. I'm trying to get Loaf and El Goro to watch this because I think they will fucking love it. It's one of those ones where I'm just like, dude, you gotta watch this. It's so fucking good. I mean, on the, watch it, please. Please watch it so we can talk about it. Watch it. <laughs> okay. The next segment... The next segment I'm going to be doing. Okay, let's see. What else? I wrote some stuff down here, and I'm not even going about it. I saw a Dolph Lundgren, John Deere tractor commercial, which was pretty funny. I was just out of the blue watching a hockey game. Lofa, who is in uh, North Carolina, uh, and I were watching the same hockey game and and uh, talking about it online. And uh, next thing you know, here pops up a John Deere tractor commercial starring Dolph Lundgren, which is pretty good. Um, another trailer that I watched that... Um, I was kind of intrigued by was the trailer for the movie It. Um, I remember the miniseries. I almost like it was it like a two-parter or was it a full miniseries? Uh, it with Richard Thomas who played John Boy on the Waldens. And you know what's funny is it seems like here recently I feel like in the last couple of shows I have mentioned John Boy from the Waltons several times because uh, he was in that Paul Newman movie with uh, uh, Grant or not Grand Prix winning. Um, but anyway, I saw the trailer for It. And I, there's a lot of people that are kind of, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't know if I would say they're split on it, because there's always going to be people, you know, the goddamn book was, you know, big novel, thick. So, you know, and they're going to probably condense it down to like maybe a two-hour movie. Um, so you're going to have people, oh, they missed this, they missed that. And everything. But man, that trailer looked fucking creepy as shit. And then there's one called, uh, uh, it's either going to be called Bleeder or Chuck. And it's a, a IFC uh, movie starring Liev Shriver uh, as the ba- the Bayonne bleeder Chuck Wepner, who um, um, was the there was a there was a documentary about him on I think Netflix not that long ago, and he's the guy that Stallone based uh, the movie Rocky off of. He was the kind of the the local boxer who really wasn't that good. I mean, he was he was okay for like say just New Jersey or whatever, but um he bled. The people like to watch him fight because if you hit him, you know, both of his eyebrows would just split open. He'd be bleeding like a pig. And Muhammad Ali wanted to wanted to fight somebody who was no um real threat to him. And so like in the movie Rocky, he picks this schlub guy and and you know, through the years you find out that Muhammad Ali kind of was inspired by pro wrestling and uh, you know so yeah, Wepner I think he hit Ali and knocked him down and everybody's like oh my god you know he's got a chance but 
knowing Ali and reading some of the stuff you read about how he was inspired by Gorgeous George and wrestling and everything, and he actually had a match against Antonio Noki, which was a complete force in Japan because they thought that uh, Anoki was going to pull a fast one and get Ali down and fucking stretch him and make it, you know, so he could get the fame out of it. So they made it so Anoki could had to stay on his back the whole fight or something. I don't know. It was just an abortion. Everybody fucking, it was one of the worst uh, exhibitions they ever had. Either that, or I think they, maybe Anoki just laid on his back because he figured, okay, you know, you can't punch me if I'm laying on my back unless you get down on the ground with me. And then if you do that, I'm going to arm bar you or choke you out. And Ali stood up the whole time. So, you know, he just like kicked at his legs from a crab position. But um, anyway, Ali did some stuff with pro wrestling. He actually, um, uh, Chuck Wepner, who is the character this movie's based on that Leah Shriver plays, actually got into some pro wrestling too. He fucking boxed Andre the Giant and I think he boxed some fucking wrestling bears and shit like that. This this fucking trailer looks really good. I think it looks really entertaining because it, it talks about that, but I think it's a lot about how, you know, he rode that thing about fighting Ali and being Sylvester Stallone, the inspiration for Rocky, even though he was, you know, kind of a I don't know on the on the verge of some sleazy bar business criminal behavior and shit like that but he still kind of tried to ride that uh, that wave of uh, 15 minutes of fame um, I thought the new Planet of the Apes trailer is that the War of the Planet of the Apes or something with Woody Harrelson that looks really good Woody Harrelson uh, here lately has played some really scummy sleazy asshole characters there's that one where he, he was in the movie with uh Christian Bale and uh, Casey Affleck, where he was the real scummy hillbilly fucking uh, crime guy in uh, was it pencil up or somewhere up around like Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia or up in pencil northern Pennsylvania or something. What a scumbag he was! He like made that girl fucking like give head to a hot dog at the drive-in and then kicked her out of the goddamn car. That was weird. He And then there was one here recently where he... Um, wasn't that Scott... E- no, not Scott Eastwood. It was the... Uh, the young guy that was in the one Expendables movie that's brother is Thor. Whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> he played a, like a fucking really creepy southern preacher. Sort of like a Jim Jones cultish kind of guy in that one. But Woody's fucking been playing some real fucking scumbags lately. But that, the Planet of the Apes new movie looks really good. Um, let's see. I pulled some uh, VHS tapes off the, off the fucking shelf. I don't know why. But I did. Uh, <laughs> just something to talk about. Because some of these I haven't seen in so long again. I, I don't know what I'm going to be able to add here. Um, first one is uh, The Field from 1990. This is directed by Jim Sheridan and written by Jim Sheridan. It stars Richard Harris, John Hurt, Sean Bean, and Tom Berenger. And one of the reasons I, I wanted to watch this is I really, you know, for a while there, especially after, like, uh, Platoon, uh, Tom Berenger was a... Uh, was a guy that I I looked up and wanted to see everything he was in, you know, from like Rustler's Rhapsody, uh, Dogs of War, um, oh Jesus Christ! I mean, just uh, shit. There was a lot of fucking movies that guy was in, especially coming off Platoon because he got nominated for a uh, for a best um, 
supporting actor with Willem Dafoe also getting they kind of canceled each other out there. Uh, but the field um, is a pretty good movie. Uh, it's a kind of an Irish kind of a thing where Berenger goes over to Ireland. He's it's almost like a a dark more dark angry batman <laughs> frank miller version of uh of uh the john wayne fucking movie quiet man because uh like Beringer's is american and he goes over to ireland he's got money and everything and and a uh, rich guy and he's wanting to buy this land and everything and um kind of looks sort of like the john wayne character in the quiet man and even though he has irish roots and everything but uh richard harris is this old bastard <laughs> Bull McCabe and um, he and his sons um, own this land and you know they they kind of do some rabble rousing you know they 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 can't I, I think they owe money on the land or they can't pay, pay the taxes or something but uh, the land's been in their family all their lives and they're like that motherfucker even though Behringer can like legally buy the land at auction you know uh, they're like that's that's no good son of a bitch and they go and rabble rouse the rest of the town you know that his american piece of shit and, and richard harris is a real bully like so everybody's kind of afraid of him it's a good movie sean sean bean of course plays he's like uh the De- at this time like the dennis hopper of uh of that period where he plays the weakling son of the bad man so anyway, that's a good one that, uh, that's, a, that's a vhs I, I, and another reason i'm you know pulling these off the shelf to do this fucking show is to uh uh fucking take them off the shelf and dust them too because i you know i don't ever watch any of these vhs's anymore um one of these days i'm gonna have to make the decision to fucking uh, take some of these to the goodwill because i still have a i still have a vhs vcr uh, uh vcr uh, DVD combo, and I believe the DVD player on it doesn't work, but the VCR does. But these tapes start to, to deteriorate after a while, so I don't know how they'll look, or even if they'll even fucking play. I don't know. Uh, next one is Ripley's Game from 2002. Uh, Tom Ripley persuades a man to commit murder for a large sum of money. The situation goes out of control, and the man must escape trouble. Okay, um, one of the reasons I bought this uh, was. It is uh, based on the same novel that uh, they did. Uh, uh, Vim Vendors did the uh, movie American, The American Friend with Dennis Hopper and Bruno Ganz. So I kind of wanted to see, uh, you know, how, how this one would be in comparison. Um, is it Patricia Highsmith? Um, I think either she or vendors wanted John Cassavetes to play Tom Ripley and they couldn't get Cassavetes for whatever reason and I can't remember who it was I think Cassavetes is the one that suggested Dennis Hopper and he brings a lot of Dennis Hopper to the role but I really like that movie that's one that I recommended to Will and Sammy over the Gentleman's Guide and they actually ended up reviewing it um, this one I'll be honest with you I think uh, one of the reasons that it doesn't stick out in my memory is because I compared it so much to that movie, which I really love. Uh, Lena Headey's in this, and uh, I like her a lot. She was Mama, or Mama from uh, Dread. So, but anyway, this one is one that you know I've heard some people say that they thought it was really good, but like I said, I watched it and it didn't it didn't really look, like uh, light my fire. 
I don't know, uh, Malkovich. Meh, I don't know. I don't know why. It just maybe it was because I was comparing it to the other movie, but I just it's not something I have it still, but just one of those ones you have and watched it once and was not impressed. Not bad, but it's just not meh, nothing special. Next one is uh, 1997's The Boxer, um, and this was written and directed by Jim Sheridan. Um, wait a minute. Did he do the goddamn fucking uh, field, too? <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> Seems like I'm, 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 I just said the guy's name. Yeah. Jim Sheridan, he also did The Field, 1990. Well, um, in 1997, seven years later, he did The Boxer. And this is a really good movie. Uh, I'm not Irish. I did not live over there during the, the Troubles. Um, but I really like this movie. Uh Young Danny Flynn is released from prison after 14 years of taking the rap for the IRA and tries to rebuild his life in the old, in his old Belfast neighborhood. And this stars Daniel Day-Lewis, and he's just fucking great. I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, and it's, this is a um, it's a kind of a sports movie, sort of, because he's a boxer and he gets out of prison and wants to kind of start a, a, a boxing school up for kids and then also start running uh, professional boxing fights like every, I don't know, once a once a month or something like that to draw a crowd and everything. And he's a good fighter. Uh, and he kind of, one of those ones where he kind of gets a chance to, to uh, have a big fight. But it's not all about that. It's a lot about the IRA and uh, kind of, this is the second one about the um, IRA that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis did uh, In the Name of the Father was another one that was you know, based on a true story. This one, it's a lot about him trying to put his past behind him to uh, make peace with it, but not you know, having a lot of uh, ghosts from the past come back with that, either expectations or people that try and draw him back into things, and it's just a really good good movie. Uh, next one, this gem... Uh, Jim Sheridan did not write and direct this, but this was directed by another Jim, James L. Or, uh, James L. Brooks, written and directed uh, broadcast news from 1987, uh, starring William Hurt, Albert Brooks, and Holly Hunter. This is a fucking really good movie. It's funny, but it ha- makes some very, very good points. And, um, and a lot of it uh, pertains to a lot of the shit that goes on today in broadcast news. Uh, with... Uh, how ratings and people say that have more charisma but might be like a fucking total dum-dum as far as being a reporter or a uh, fucking I don't know not even just being a reporter but just somebody who's more like just a a manic and a talking head that can read the cue cards (laughs) which is the William Hurt character Albert Brooks I just love him him and Holly Hunter have or uh, Holly Hunter have a really great chemistry in this Um, and it's another thing also where even if it didn't revolve around the news industry where you know you have the girl and the guy that just are perfect together they're friends but they complete each other's sentences they're both intelligent da 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 but the girl you know doesn't give him the t- even though he would be like the perfect match for her doesn't give him the time of day because the meathead good-looking guy you know she's supposed to be so smart and everything and 
he he stands for everything she is disgusted by, but because he's good looking and has charisma, she still fucking falls into the trap. Joan Cusack's in this too. Jack Nicholson too has a small part. Uh, broadcast news. That's a real good one. Um, here's a William Friedkin directed movie called The Brinks Job from 1978, uh, starring Peter Falk and Peter Boyle. This is another one when I was talking earlier about, um, like, uh, you know, going back and, uh, becoming intrigued by the old West lawmen and outlaws and that kind of stuff. Another thing was, um, reading about, uh, crime, true crime, the mafia and, and things like that. And one of the, one of the true stories that I was, uh, intrigued by and that I kind of read up on, uh, was, um, uh, the true life robbery of the Brinks job. And, um, this is a pretty entertaining movie. Um, they did a, I think it might've been a made for TV movie. I know they made a, a, a real life version of this. That was like more, less lighthearted. This and this, this one, <laughs> that's why my, my country accent coming out. Um, this one is more lighthearted and has a lot more kind of uh, funny comedy stuff in it. Whereas the real story, I might've watched like a, a, a documentary that was, uh, you know, kind of like a docudrama about it, but where the, they show, they, they, they portrayed the, the real people involved as, as they were, and they were mean asshole criminals, you know, and it was interesting, but it, this one's a lot more fun to watch. Uh, stars Peter Falk, Peter Boyle, Warren Oates, Gina Rollins, um, who, you know, there's the connection. Peter Falk and uh, John Cassavetes were, like, really good friends, and Gina Rollins was Cassavetes' wife. Uh, Paul Sorvino. Um, who else is in this? But it's a, it's a really fun movie. Uh, this is uh, Friedkin after, uh, you know, French Connection and The Exorcist and everything, but uh, I still like it. This is It's, it's a fun movie. I, love, I like, uh, I mean, Peter Boyle and Peter Falk are just two of my favorites from way back when. You know, I saw that Don Rickles died. That's another guy that, when you talk about, like, Peter Falk, uh, from back in the in those days that was just around, he was in, like, a lot of, you know, Kelly's Heroes and um, uh, Run Silent, Run Deep. He was always around, kind of kind of hung around the Rat Pack a little bit, you know, did the Vegas uh, stand-up stuff, the insult comedian, just funny as shit. Uh, but, you know, the guy, uh, he died at 90 years old, but... You know, I mean, it was just like a year or two ago, you know, watching late night shows. The, 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 um, I remember um, like Letterman and Howard Stern and these guys would always, you know, they'd have him on, peri- you know, just periodically. And he was still funny because, I mean, it was just nonstop and it wasn't, it was effortless how, you know, with the insults and everything. And I remember when I was a little kid, at one point when I was like a really young kid, I didn't like Don Rickles because I thought he was mean. I thought, God, this guy's just mean, you know, and I did, I just, you know, you're too young to get it, you know, that it's, that it's funny when he was insulting, like, he'd, he'd get up there, and there, I mean, there's very few people, I think, that would get up there and, like, just fucking insult the shit out of Frank Sinatra at a roast or something, but, you know, he, he just fucking pulled it off, he could get away with anything, just because that was his thing, and he looked like a little bullfrog, but, man, he was funny, and he was on a TV show called CPO Sharky uh, back in the day. It didn't last very long. I don't even know if it lasted. It might have lasted like one one season or like a comedy. And he had he was the uh, the uh, I don't know if he's master at arms or whatever in the navy. And uh, it was kind of like a not a McHale's navy because they were never on the sea. They were just in the barracks and stuff. And he had this great big 
like here's Don Rickles, probably like five foot six or five foot seven, and his his uh and in, in the navy, I don't know what they would call it, you know, like in the army, you know, Rickles would be like the sergeant, and uh, but his corporal was this guy who was like probably about six foot nine. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. I was just a little kid. Um, next thing I have, this one is a a box set of three VHS tapes that my grandma had. And of course I live in her old house now. And, uh, so I, I inherited this box set of, uh, the lonesome dove series. Now they did make some, a few more of these, but the ones that I have are the original lonesome dove with, um, Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones, um, and, um, Diane Lane and, Oh, Spencer for hire guy, Robert Urich it's got a lot of Frederick Forrest is on it. This is a good that this was one of the best westerns. I you can't say it's not a movie because it was made for TV and it was a miniseries, but it's one of the best westerns I've ever seen ever. I c- compare it to all the Hollywood made westerns, TV shows and everything. Just a fucking awesome um piece of entertainment. Uh really good. It's got some funny stuff in it, but it's it's just a good. It's Larry McMurtry was the guy who wrote him. The next one, um, I don't know if these are in order or not. I'm just going by how they're stacked in the box. Uh, Dead Man's Walk is um, another one Larry McMurtry wrote. This was a prequel to Lonesome Dove. And I, one of the things that killed this one for me was that David Arquette played the Robert Duvall character. And I'm sure David Arquette is probably the nicest motherfucker in the world. But those telephone commercials or whatever he did, I can't remember what the commercials were where he acted crazy. They weren't funny, and they ran him in the ground. And then when he won the WCW Heavyweight Championship right about the same time, couldn't stand the motherfucker. Now, I've seen him in some stuff, and, you know, like I said, he's probably a really nice guy with a good heart. I've seen him on Howard Stern. He's had a lot of drug and alcohol problems and come on there and tried to help, like, Casey on Howard Stern, who was going through a lot of the shit. Um, And, you know, he'd get on there and talk about him and Courtney Cox's relationship, and you just felt sorry for the guy. But, um a lot of times because you know he really loved her but you know she said that you know he just wanted to party all the time and you know never wanted to grow up uh, but so anyway I don't remember that much about that one except that uh, I don't think I gave it a really good chance I think Steve Zahn there was one with um, Steve Zahn and I think David Arquette that, that might be the same one where they play the um uh, uh, Woodrow F. Call and uh, what's his face? Augustus McRae. And I believe uh, Arquette plays Robert Duvall's character and Steve Zahn played the Tommy Lee Jones character. And you know what? I mean, I know they're supposed to be young guys, but uh, I don't know. Steve Zahn's kind of the same way. I've liked him in some stuff, but he's I just didn't see either one of them. They could have got cool people. To, <laughs> they could have got two cool people to play uh, Gus and uh, Woodrow. But instead, they got two kind of goofy geeks. Uh, the other one that's in this, Ken uh, uh, would probably like this one. I need to go back and watch this one. It's, uh, uh, it stars uh, James Garner. It's uh, Streets of Laredo, and he plays the Woodrow F. Call uh, character, which is the Tommy Lee Jones character. This one takes place after Lonesome Dove. And there was another one where John Voight played... Uh, the Woodrow Call character, but it's not in this box set. And I remember not liking that one that much because I, you, you, Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones were so iconic as those two guys 
that seeing anybody else play him, it's just kind of like, eh. It's like when you saw uh, uh, John Wayne played um, Rooster Cogburn in True Grit and in the the movie Rooster Cogburn, the the sequel to True Grit, sort of a sequel. Uh, And then they made a movie with um, Warren Oates. It was like a made-for-TV movie, and Warren Oates played Rooster Cogburn. and You're just so used to John Wayne that it just kind of is like, uh, I don't know. And then... uh, um, Robert Duvall played basically the character of Popeye Doyle in a um, I don't know if that was a made for TV movie or not it was uh, that was the one that was like Badge 384 or something they didn't call him Popeye Doyle but it was the same the 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 guy um, that was a real Popeye Doyle you know, that was one of his stories about his career. And it was just kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, Popeye Doyle, this is going to be good. And then you watch it, you're like, ah, oh, man. You know, I don't know. And I'll see. What else we got here? I'm going to wind this up because let's see how long I've been going here, brother. Oh, not that long. My God, we're doing three-hour shows, and I'm only an hour and 20 minutes into this shit. <laughs> but anyway, the next one is uh, The Grifters from 1990, uh, Stephen Frears. And this is a uh, Jim Thompson novel. Uh, was he the guy that did uh, the Stacy Keach movie, Jim Thompson? Uh, oops, sorry. While I type, as I say, ah. Anyway, I'm not gonna look this fucker up. I don't give a shit. Um, giggity, giggity, goo. That's all I have to say. As a writer, oh yeah, Killer Inside Me. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, okay. Um, but I don't know if that's the same guy because it says writer, Killer Inside Me, Jim Thompson, 2010. Does it? Okay, yeah, The Grifters. Here it is. And he also did The Getaway, and what else? Convoy, TV series. I've got to be better than a fucking movie. That movie sucked dick. With Chris Christopherson, yeah, I don't know. I like Chris Christopherson, I like Ernest Borgnine, I like uh, Sam Peckinpah, but didn't like that movie, and I don't like Ally McGraw. Anyway, so um, The Grifters, this is uh, John Cusack, uh, Angelica Houston, and a very sexy, back then, Annette Benning. This is one of the first movies I saw her in uh, where she kind of came onto the scene, and man, she was sexy in this. And then it wasn't that long after this that uh, she hooked up with Warren Beatty and made Bugsy and... Uh, you know, they became they became a power couple. And you know what's surprising about that is uh, her and Warren Beatty stayed together. Man, he was a fucking coxman personified. It was like every woman that he was in a movie with, I think he fucked. And, you know, he, including Madonna, which I don't know if that was real or not. You know, I, I don't know if that was one of those things that she's, she's such a media... I don't want to say a media whore, but, you know, she knows how to manipulate the media and everything. And... I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he gave her the big schwang wang. I remember that, uh, I think it was Joan Collins, uh, when Warren Beatty was really young, um, like in his maybe like mid 20s, um, he hooked up with Joan Collins, who was probably at the time, she was the older woman, like maybe 15 years older or something like that. And she said in a candid interview that one of the reasons that they broke up was that uh, he was wearing her out. That he took all these vitamins and shit all the time, and he just wanted to have sex, sex, sex all the time. <laughs> and I guess she figured she was either going to throw her back out or, you know, wear the old uh, 
you know, become a rubber-lipped, have cauliflower lips or something. I don't know. It's kind of gross. This is a good movie, though. Uh, it's about a... Uh, uh, John Cusack is a grifter, a con man. He was brought up uh, by his mother, who was a con woman, a grifter. And, uh, you know, he doesn't really like his mom, and there's some some backstory there that's kind of interesting, I guess. And then he hooks up with Annette Benning, and uh, he kind of is uh, enamored by her cute little tight body, and some stuff goes on there. It's a good movie, though. I need to watch that one again, too. There's a lot of them here where I'm like, man, I need to watch that one again. Dig! Yeah! Um... <laughs> 1997's Skinny Val Kilmer movie, uh, The Saint, uh, directed by Philip Noyce, written by Leslie Chartari. <laughs> Leslie Chartari and Jonathan Nesley. Uh, this one stars Val Kilmer, but it also stars The Shoe. And you all know how I feel about The Shoe. She is my secret love. I have a lot of secret loves, some of them that are my age, some of them that are older. And some of them that are younger, but still legal. Like the chick from DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, but they're not secret, because I tell you. They're, they only, they're secret lovers of mine, because they don't know who I am. Uh, the Saint was... Uh, this is... Uh, what's his name? Simon Templer, who was played by Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Uh, Roger Moore, I can't really... I'd have to watch a lot of his movies. That's like the Larry Bishop thing. When I was watching Hellride about every goddamn day of the week, <laughs> I could do the Larry Bishop thing, man. I could get into it. But I haven't watched that in so long, I just don't even have it down at all. And same thing with Roger Moore here. Sean Connery's a little bit easier because you just have to kind of do the duck lip and, you know, kind of have a little bit of a, a little bit of an overbite. Uh, but anyway, this one, I remember liking this one. This one, uh, and there was a movie called Lassiter with... Uh, uh, Tom Selleck, I think, that came out... Uh, no, The Saint, I think... The Saint... Lassiter was before The Saint. I think that was back maybe like 10 years before. But this one was pretty good. I mean, Val looks great. He's skinny and he's good looking, you know. And uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue is always just fucking hot. She had asthma or something in this. I remember she was trying to help him. and But she when she got excited, like if she got excited when he was like, making out with her and stuff, she'd be like, <gasps> and he's like, what the fuck's wrong? And I, I'm just going by memory, but I swear to God, I think she was like a, a, um, a bookworm and maybe a scientist or something. And, uh, I just, for some reason, I remember that she had asthma and if she got excited, whether it was like they were in danger or like if, he, if Val was, Val was really good looking back then. So I guess when he was making out with her, he, he literally took her breath away. And, uh, and then the next thing, but I love the shoe. She still looks good. Oh, my God. What a MILF. I don't know if she has kids, but my God. When I saw her in that, uh, oh, what the hell was the fucking stupid, it wasn't, I don't think it was Sharknado, because I don't think I've seen that. It was something like that, where she played a cop. Maybe it was like Piranha or something like that, some new Piranha movie. And she played a cop that was out in a boat, and she wore like a cop uniform. And even though the whole rest of the movie had like a, porn actresses hang gliding with no top on and all these young chicks that had like thongs on and shit like that shoe just looks so good oh she makes my heart hurt um let's see sort of like brie larson in uh the king kong movie except uh shoe shoe goes back a long way we have time together (laughs) 
next thing I've talked about this one several times, so I won't get into it too much. Is uh, 1968's The Brotherhood, uh, directed by Martin Ritt, starring Kirk Douglas and uh, Alex Cord, Irene Pappas, Luther Adler, Susan Strasberg, Murray Hamilton. This is a mafia movie made about the same time as, or right before, probably right before um, The Godfather. And it was one of the first movies, with along with the Valachi papers, that actually tackled the uh, the mafia, whether it's the American mafia or the Sicilian mafia. This has both. Sort of like, you know, the Godfather, same way. Same way with the uh, Valachi papers. Uh, didn't go over as big as, you know, of course, the Godfather, the Mario Puzo movie, or based movie. Um, one of the things, uh, like, you know, they're all... They're all um, Italian, but you have Kirk Douglas, Alex Cord, Luther Adler, you know. Uh, well, I think Luther Adler and Murray Hamilton, um, um, Kirk Douglas and Alex Cord are brothers. And they are like Sicilian. I believe that they are, and Irene Pappas, they are all Italian. Now, Murray Hamilton and uh, Luther Adler and those guys are the... Um, like the American syndicate guys, they aren't Italian. They, whereas Alex Cord and Kirk Douglas's family all go by the, by the old, old Cosa Nostra, uh, Omerta thing, you know, um, uh, the rules and everything. Um, the American mafia that Luther Adler, Murray Hamilton, and those guys represent are more like a corporate mafia. They're they're not uh, Italian. They don't go by the Italian rules. They set everything up more like a corporation, kind of more like the um, the mafia guys in uh, Point Blank with Lee Marvin, where it's set up almost like a corporation. You have a board of directors and shit like that, and and of course Kirk and those guys reject that. Uh, it's a good kind of. Uh, I don't want to say Cain and Abel because the situation is that it's not like they're doing it's it's more of a I mean two brother you got the older brother and the younger brother Kirk it never wanted never wants his older brother to get involved in the family business but uh, Alex Cord is sort of like the Michael Corleone coming back from the war he's a war hero and he comes back and he decides, hey, you know, I want a piece of this action. And Kirk's like, you know, I, I never wanted this for you. Sort of a, like with a Don Corleone and Michael. But he says, you know, if you want in, you know, I can get you in. And, and then Alex Cord, the younger brother, he starts getting involved with these corporate mafia guys or corporate syndicate guys. And they're, they bang heads. They're constantly banging heads against Kirk Douglas, who is the old uh, old school guy and he's banging heads with these corporate guys and Alex Cord, his brother Vince has kind of sort of aligned himself with these young guys because he's a young guy and he's like we need to put this old crap in the past you know how you know the younger people always reject the older generation he started but then that puts friction between him and his brother this is a good movie even though like I said it didn't really get over uh, nearly as good as uh, The Godfather uh, or Godfather Part Two, um, it's fun to watch. I like Kirk Douglas anyway, and Alex Cord is just an interesting character. More interesting, his off-screen uh, 
stuff than he's kind of a wooden actor, one of those uh, old Hollywood kind of guys that got a push. But um, I mean, the guy was from like New York. I think it was like from the Bronx or something. But he he moved out west and became like a real cowboy, like a worked on a ranch and fucking became like a cowboy. He's a you know rides horses, all these different styles. Could be a stuntman, uh, competitive, you know, cowboy or equestrian and all that stuff. Really cool, cool story there. Um, and that's it for that. Let me see what else I got here. I, I wrote some notes down just to some of the comics I've been reading. Um, like I said, I've been watching a lot of Errol Flynn movies. Um, I never really saw that many of them. Uh, he's like a legend, so I decided to kind of take a, an, uh, you know, go down the rabbit hole of Errol Flynn movies, and I'll talk about that more when we do the show. I want to save those, the ones I've been watching. I I bought some on Amazon that um, I think are actually out of print. Um, some older ones, and then I got a box set. And I've only watched a couple of those, and then I got some on iTunes that I that I really like. So we'll talk about those later. That's an inter- he's an interesting guy. One of the things that interests me about him, uh, and it's not as much about him as it is about his son, um, Sean Flynn. Um, it's just kind of a sad story because he, you know, his dad's Errol Flynn, who's this great legendary actor, you know, from the old days, and he kind of got into. He had a really good-looking guy. He got into the movies, of course, because of his dad, I guess, kind of like a Scott Eastwood now with Clint Eastwood. Uh, didn't really get over as much. I don't know if he wanted to do movies as much, but he was in, you know, a few. Um, but. Um, went off, uh, became a journalist and went to Vietnam as a photojournal or as uh, I don't know if it's photo, photojournalist and just journalist in Vietnam, uh, survived all that and everything. And then when the war, uh, between, um, North Vietnam, after they did their thing in Vietnam, we left uh, and they took over and then they went to, ended up going to war with Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge, which you can see in the killing fields. Um, um, he was in Cambodia and is a war correspondent. And if you go on YouTube, you can find some stuff of him actually doing reports and stuff over there. And, and he got captured him and the, his buddy that were uh, correspondents got on their uh, little, I don't know if they were on motorcycles or scooters. I can't remember, but they went out to, there was like a, a car that had been shot up or something in the middle of the road. And, they went to see what was going on, and they the last broadcast is him talking to this guy saying, okay, you know, it's probably like a football field away. He's like, see the car down there? There it is. And there's troops coming, and they're on the side. And I think they were, I don't, I, I'm assuming they were Camer Rouge, uh, the and, uh, Cam- Cambodian uh, communist, and uh, they got captured. Uh, nobody really knew what happened to him. It's kind of a, a mystery. Um, there are several people that have went and tried to, you know, we we kind of I think did a deal with I know with Vietnam and then also with uh, in Cambodia where we were trying to you know get the bodies back of the people that were either captured or killed and everything and there's some guys that have went over there and you know trying to find out what happened and ask them and from what they I have read that they pieced together that um, they got captured uh, basically I think they were kind of like uh, prisoners but I I I thought I believe I remember from what I read that kind of like slave labor. uh, They said he lived longer than anybody that they had ever captured because these guys, they become malnourished and 
you know, disease and everything. And eventually, I think he just died. He, the, somebody said that he had, you know, just succumbed to like dysentery or some kind of disease or something like that and died. But it's really sad because he was just a young guy, really handsome guy, and and uh, you know went over there to document all the shit that was going on. And 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 it's not it's it's also sad just because of um, you know just disappearing and and uh like when you see movies about like the hanoi hilton uh and uh movies like that where even in vietnam like our guys got captured and a lot of them or killed or they don't know what happened to them you know when you see those flags around the u.s that you know mia pow mia you know and of course chuck norris and these guys made movies about going and trying to um you know find them or whatever like action movies and stuff like that it was a big thing for a while and still you know there's guys that you know they never did find out what happened to them I, f- I figure you know there's probably a lot of them that got you know they're just dead they you know either maybe got killed in battle got blown up you know or burned up by napalm or who knows or even if they did get captured they died and they just buried them out in the jungle or they might have you know just died out in the jungle you know but it's just the unknowing the part of not knowing what happened you know, it all, it'll, it, I think it would always, uh, and I never had anybody that that happened to, but I can imagine being, you know, somebody in the family, uh, and somebody's family that, you know, would, and the, uh, not knowing what happened and imagining things and stuff like that, you know. Um, just a few things that I've been reading. I saw that Scott Clickers uh, posted something about, uh, uh, Loaf had posted something about the Bronze Age comics, which he liked uh, reading back in the, like, the 70s. And like I said, I mean, you know, I'm just going from memory, but I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you'd get comics. Uh, Some of them were reprints. I remember reading, like, Captain America comics that were, um, um, and I'm pretty sure they were reprints where he was teaming with, um, each each, uh, issue was Cap and uh, either Falcon or Black Panther would be his his partner. And... uh, a lot of that stuff was Kirby, uh, like Kirby stuff. So I, I'm pretty sure reprints, uh, maybe, you know, some of them were, I know they were, but, um, and then, um, a lot of the fantastic four stuff that, uh, with, um, um, Agatha Harkness, the, you know, she was like a witch. I like that stuff in the Salem seven. Um, and you know, fantastic for anything, you know, fantastic four with, um, Silver Surfer and that stuff. Um, two of the things that I really liked, and I'm trying to think if they were the 70s or I'm pretty sh- sure they were 70s, not 80s, was the Avengers where they had Count Nefaria or uh, Graviton and um, Ultron. Of course, they just had that movie, you know, Age of Ultron, and I, I did not like that. Um, I didn't like that uh, uh, miniseries or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, they made Ultron, uh, like Tony Stark created him, whereas, you know, in the book, uh, Hank Pym's the one that created him. And, um, uh, but of course they made Hank Pym be Michael Douglas in the, in the fucking movies. And he's supposed to be like an older guy. Um, you know, I don't know. I just did not like that movie that much. Uh, I liked that the one thing I liked, of course, like, you know, Cap's always good. And, uh, you know, Chris Evans always gets Captain America in there, but, uh, when they, they, brought vision in and he was the highlight of the fucking movie for me one of the high or one of the best things um i'm trying to think of anything else you know of course x-men back then and loaf's already been through a lot of that stuff which is you know when they uh 
the team got ca- the old team got captured by the living planet or whatever the fuck it was and or the the living island or something i can't remember what it was and then they had to uh professor x had to get like all the new team uh cyclops had to get uh wolverine colossus nightcrawler warpath um uh, storm who else was in that motherfreaker eh, i can't remember banshee i think and go and rescue them, and then they had the new team, and they went up on the, the, uh, was a space shuttle or something, like a space station with Scott Lang, little Peckerwood, and he had the, uh, the robot versions of the old team, and the new team fought the old team, and it's like, oh my god, the new team's fighting the old team, but, and then that morphed into the, uh, Dark Phoenix saga, that was some good shit, but, uh, like I said, there there was a lot of good stuff back then, you know. Eh, you, like I said, you always look back and say, "Oh my God, compared to the compared to today," you know. Back when I was a kid, it was so good. <laughs> and then I remember like some uh, little paperback books that were reprints of like the first five or six Fantastic Four uh, comics. I always say books. You know, somebody asked me on this, "Are you reading books or comics?" I'm like, we always said. You know, when we talk about reading comics, that I read a couple of books, you know, a couple of new books, you know, but we were talking about comics. Um, but anyway, Scott uh, Clickers, one of the things that he mentioned was uh, reading Legion, uh, which is a DC title. And I was just watching a thing on comics explained about Brainiac and, uh, you know, uh, the history of Brainiac or something like that. And they mentioned this guy, uh, Viril Dox. And I swear, every once in a while, even because I was a big Marvel fan, and that's about all I read, every once in a while I would pick up a DC comic and give it a shot. And it was hard back then because you, when, once you've read Marvel for so long, you know all the characters, even the, the, the lesser characters, you're just familiar with them. And when you pick up a new book... Um, like a DC comic, there was a lot of characters that I had no, did not know anything about. So, and having a, you know, when you're a little kid, having a lack of money, you couldn't just go out and spend oodles of money buying a title and that you that you try and just keep reading it. So anyway, but I, I read, I had like one or two Legion comics. And when the guy on, um, when Rob on... Uh, Comics Explained was talking about uh, Brainiac, and he mentioned uh, Viril Docs. Uh, and I saw uh, Scott Clickers had mentioned the comic book Legion. The I think is either the one or maybe two issues that I had of Legion that I read. I just remember that name Viril Docs and him being the you know kind of a green guy and everything. So I was like, oh, that's cool. But I was always wondering. I'm I'm gonna po- post this on the. Um, comics group which just buzzing right along on that comics group it's a good group wrestling group and the comic comics group are really good uh um whatever happened to the the group legion whatever happened to that comic i could look it up but you know that's another thing you know people would be like you know about uh i asked somebody one time on a movie group um about I think it was Night of the Juggler, maybe. And they said, and I said something about, like, on on their group. I can't remember who it was. I said, wasn't um, the porn star Sharon Mitchell in that? And the guy responded something like, you know, 
Google is your friend, you know, like why don't you basically say, and why don't you look it up, you know, if there's Google or something like that. And man, it fucking just pissed me off. It went right through me because I was just like, you know, dude, I'm just trying to start a conversation. I like to talk about movies. And you come back with like that. And I thought it was so fucking rude. I was like, you know, what the fuck? And honest to God, I, I, I responded and said, well, why should I even listen to your fucking podcast uh, when I can just look up everything? Why should I listen to anything? Why should I, you know, I can just Google everything and have no human contact and have no discussion. And I, 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 I'm trying to think, because that was a really, it was a really good podcast and they did a lot of good research and shit. And I cannot remember what it was, but man, that guy, and, you know, and there's times where, I'm sure that people that know me or that have gotten to know me for as lighthearted and and kind of, you know, funny and stuff like that as I am when it's like the uh like uh, Jack Nicholson said in the movie Hoffa, he played Jimmy Hoffa and they said um um I think John C. Riley, a bum, kind of came up to Hoffa and he's sitting there talking to John C. Riley who was like one of his good friends and like his lieutenant and Hoffa stops and talks to this guy who's like a bum and shakes his hand. It's like, yeah, I remember you, you know, yeah, I remember you. How's your wife and kids? And when the guy walks away, I think Hoffa gave him, even gave him like a couple bucks, you know, cause the guy was down and out and he goes, Jimmy, why don't you just give him the money and fucking tell him to fuck off? And he goes, let me tell you something. He said, um, that handshake he goes that guy's never going to forget that i remembered him and that i helped him out and that i t- and that i gave him a few minutes of my time but he said if i would have just blown that guy off like you said he goes uh, an imagine uh, a slight whether imaginary or not that motherfucker's going to hate you till the day you die and that's like when loaf and i went to the wrestling conventions the guys that just are sit there and talk like Paul Orndorff, Ricky Steamboat, um, Cornette, uh, uh, Bobby Fulton, uh, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. There are some of these guys, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Mass Superstar and these guys. The ones that sit there and just talk to you and everything, man, I think the, I just like J.J. Dillon, I'll never forget him sitting there and just talking to me about music. Nice guy, but the ones that just kind of blew you, blow you off, just sign your thing and don't even look up, or you say something to them and they're like, yeah, you know, Barry Windham, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, as Kevin Sullivan redeemed himself because that motherfucker was sitting there on a cell phone, never even looked up when he signed my autograph. And then when I was talking to uh, Tom Pritchard and Jimmy Del Rey, it was, I asked Jimmy Del Rey about Kevin Sullivan beating him up. Sullivan actually hung up his fucking phone and started telling the story, and he redeemed himself because he was about that close to being on my lifetime shit list. But my whole point is, that guy might have thought he was being funny, but I was just trying to, you know, I was bored and trying to start a conversation because I, I liked his stuff and like talking to him about movies and stuff. And he did that. Man, I never listened to that fucking podcast again. And, and he can go fuck himself. <laughs> I can't even remember who it is now. You know, what's funny is we, we, 
this whole podcasting thing and the whole community we're involved in, um, it has been going on so long now that there are people that have come and gone. And every once in a while, I'll even ask Loaf, I'll be like, who was that guy that, uh, what was that, what was that show? Uh, and I can't even fucking remember. And, and it, it was just like a few weeks ago, we're, we're, we are playing promos for shows and then after the fact, after the last couple of shows, we went and looked up the shows that we were playing promos for, and they don't even exist anymore. They haven't made put out a show in like three years. <laughs> so it's it's where you know it's I guess it's you know in in life friends come and go. Uh, you know I, I I try I hope that there's no hard feel. I mean I know I I can get in a mood, and like I said, if somebody does something that pisses me off. Uh, it's hard sometimes online uh, to, when somebody says something, to gauge if they're being funny, if they're being rude, if they're being sarcastic. It also depends on your day, if you're in a bad mood or a good mood. Uh, same thing with Horror Hound. There's people, you know, that I really liked. It was good friends with them. Then I get a Horror Hound, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> Nobody in particular, like I said, I know I can be a fucking prick sometimes, and when somebody gets really shit faced drunk and stuff like that, I, it, it, I have a, I don't know. Sometimes I have a hard time dealing with. I get really, uh, I don't know. Anyway, but that's just uh, like the guy said in our in our uh, bad review of the show. You know, maybe I should just go to therapy and stop talking about all the fucking shit. <laughs> anyway, um, another thing. Um, I was looking up some uh, OMAC. That's another uh, uh, thing that um, uh, Rob on Comics Explained was talking about was uh, Crisis of uh, Infinite Earth. And he started talking about Batman having this like eye in the sky thing and um, these OMAC uh, like uh, androids. And it was kind of, that's kind of like the um, um, Age of Ultron thing where he creates these. Uh, these uh, android soldiers and then uh, the eye in the sky thing kind of controls everything and then things go awry. Maxwell Lord gets control of the eye in the sky and sets the all these a million or a million and a half OMAC androids um, that are supposed to be observing the superhero and supervillain community. Uh, he has them go and want to destroy destroy all of them and much the same as age of ultron where ultron is the um um artificial intelligence that becomes self-aware age of Ultron, and and in the ultrons that i are you know it was just one ultron you know he was the adamantium you know uh synthesoid not a synthesoid that's vision but like adamantium like robot or whatever uh with a uh, artificial intelligence. Well, in Age of Ultron, of course, he creates all these other Ultrons. But of course, in the in that fucking shit movie, you know, all the they were just like cannon fodder because they obviously all weren't made of adamantium because they would just get the shit knocked out of them. But the whole point of Ultron in the comics was he was an evil, crazy motherfucker. It was like Hal from two thousand one put into an android body that's made of adamantium that's almost impossible to. Uh, Destroy Age of Ultron, like I said, you know, they put Spader in there, and you know, it, it was kind of interesting because the, the uh, 
you really couldn't kill him because the artificial intelligence was just running. It was like a program that was just running through every computer. So even if he killed the body, he could go into another body. But it just uh, sucked. But anyway, the crisis of infinite Earth, they were talking about those OMACs. And um, I remember reading back in the day, OMAC, One Man Army Corps, which was a creation, I believe, of Jack Kirby, the king. My Probably one of my favorite. I mean, the guy was just, you know, when they talk about the... Uh, uh, one above all, you know, in comics, which is God, I guess. He's over Galactus. He's over the Beyonders. He's over everything. The one of abo- above all is, like, supposedly God. Well, you know, I, I remember they even wrote in a comic when the Fantastic Four finally confronted the one above all. The one above, of, the one above all was Jack Kirby. I mean, he's actually in the comic, and he was the guy who created them all, made them do everything, which was so cool. But OMAC back then was, you know, One Man Army Corps and uh, Buddy, uh, oh, what the fuck was his name? Shit, I can't remember. It was almost like uh, Shazam. Or not Shazam. Of course, you have to call it Shazam now because Marvel got the rights to Captain Marvel. But Captain Marvel um, was the character that Fred McMurray was based on. Going back to movies, keeping it all tied in. Uh, But Billy Batson was the little kid. And when he would say Shazam he would turn into Captain Marvel. Well, that's sort of how Omac is. He's this kid buddy. God damn it. I can't remember the name, but anyway, who gives a shit? And I in the sky was like his, it was almost like a Deathlock. Deathlock had, uh, his like a onboard computer that he would talk to all the time. And he would just got in, in the old Deathlock with Luther Manning. He would just, which was from the future. He would always talk to his computer and he just call it, you know, pewter. And, um, it was like, he, he wondered if he was crazy or if there was actually like a computer, but that's sort of how the eye in the sky is. He, he, uh, Omac, uh, this kid becomes the one man army corps with this big Mohawk, that Jack Kirby drew. And he was almost like Superman. He was so, you know, powerful and everything. And then he had the eye in the sky. That was his, you know, computer that he talked to and that told him, you know, what to do and everything and help him out. But so anyway, they, they, I guess, you know, Batman has to be the, has to uh, be involved in everything and be the 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 uh, alpha and omega of all comics. You know he can do anything. He can beat anybody, and you know he they, you know, they turn Omac instead of being Omac. It's he has a million and a half Omacs in the eye in the sky. He created that just like Tony Stark created Ultron. <laughs> Fart. Anyway, I'm sure there's a reasonable story. Somebody can tell me why you know it's works out or anything. I don't give a fuck. I uh, started reading um, uh, again, getting caught up on my BPRD. BPRD Hell on Earth has been going on for a while now. It's so fucking good. It's just, I mean, um, one of the best things I have ever read. I've been reading it now for a, few, a couple of years, it seems like. Um, this is um, Mike Mignola, uh, John uh, Arcud, uh, Lawrence Campbell, and Dave Stewart. And um, this is an ongoing thing uh, where Earth uh, is uh, like the the fucking blue flame. <laughs> All this. If you watched Hellboy, uh, uh, it's almost like these uh, Lovecraftian monsters, like in uh, in Hellboy the movie. You know, they come down and Hellboy's got to fight him, and you got to fucking uh, what's his name. Uh, the character of Rasputin and all this shit. Well, you know, that's the kind of shit that the BPRD deals with. And 
uh, Hellboy has left the BPRD and he's uh, he's went off on his own, and that's been an ongoing thing. And Hellboy is actually, as far as I rem- know now, I need to get caught up on that. Is actually dead. He's in hell, <laughs> but he hasn't been with the uh, he hasn't been with BPRD for a while. Even uh, even though here recently they started doing like prequel books. Um, again, I say books, I mean comics or graphic novels, where it goes back to the old adventures of when Hellboy was in the BPRD. Uh, but the BPRD books I'm reading now are, and that have been reading for a while now, he's gone. And it's um, Liz Sherman, who was in the movie. Uh, kind of a different character, sort of the same, but sort of different in the movie. Um, um, and uh, this girl, uh, Phoenix or Phoenix, uh, who has a big Rottweiler, and she can kind of she has like premonitions about what's going to happen in the future and shit like that. They have uh, Johan, uh, who is the oh, like almost like the apparition <laughs> that, that fills up the suit with his soul, or it's like looks like gas, and he gets he was in the uh, golden uh, oh the the second Hellboy movie. What the hell was that called? I can't remember now. Anyway, but he's uh, Johann Strauss. He's, uh, you know, the German, and he's very verbose. And um, he's in this one. He has a new uh, new suit, like a new armor. Um, and this guy, Joseph, who is a almost like a, uh, a, a character from, like, Stalin uh, Russia... And he is—he kind of has a, like a—he's dif- kind of disfigured and deformed. He was the head of like the BPRD in Russia, uh, 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 their their version of that. And but the world is just going to fucking literally going to hell. And all these like Lovecraftian fucking monsters are, you know, these huge monsters, and they're having to fight them. And they, there's just they're just wiping everybody out on the on the earth. And um, it's really fucking good. Uh, even if you don't read fucking comics, this is one that you can. That um, I mean, it's just good, and it's not. It's not done in like a superhero kind of a thing where, you know, the good guys always win, and and everybody's that's on the good guy side is good or bad or whatever. There's a lot of mystical stuff, ghosts and monsters and. And uh, I love Dark Horse comics because they they have a lot of stuff like that, like Baltimore, um, uh, Harrow County. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, well, even this this one I've been reading, The Massive. That's a Dark Horse comic, which is so good. I I got on uh, Things from Another World. This is a website where you can buy comics, um, and um, I just did a search. And, uh, like, you can do, like, there's one, it's called the Nick Dent uh, comics. They're ones that are kind of like the covers are bent or whatever, and they'll sell them for, like, 50% off or more, which I'm the kind of guy, and I've said this a million times, I just buy them to read. I don't buy them to collect. I don't, if the cover gets a little bit bent or whatever, I don't give a fuck. Some people are really, you know, careful with that because they collect them. I only read comics to absorb the story and I have comics from like the 70s that I read when I read so many times over and over and over that the cover fell off 
or the pages are, you know, dog-eared or bent, and I don't give a fuck. As long as I can read it and see the art, that's all I care about. Um, but I got that one, uh, The Massive, and the one that they had, it was I only got it for like, you know, it's a graphic novel, and say it cost, I don't know, 15 bucks or 20 bucks or something like that. I made like 15 bucks, say. And I got it for just a couple of bucks. Well, there's a bunch of them, and the one that I got is sort of, it might be the last one, I don't know. It might be the finale. But it was really good. And and again, it's not a superhero comic. It's um, kind of like a, a natural disaster, I guess, maybe, happens. Because I don't think they ever say what causes this uh, this global event. It may be global warming, I don't know, because the, the oceans rise, like Manhattan is underwater. Um, it's just like this big global disaster, probably like a climate change kind of a thing. And all the populations have to move inland, like uh, and New York, the skyscrapers, the water is like, you know, 20 stories up the side of a skyscraper. You can sail ships in between the... You know, if you could do it down some of the smaller boats and ships down the streets, but there's just a lot of shit underneath the water, so they have to be really careful. But the part that I'm reading revolves around this um, this crew that is a um, uh, they are environmentalists, almost like Greenpeace, uh, and they are definitely against um, uh, people uh, whaling commercial fishermen and and the whalers and stuff like that like they're the guys that would go out even now like when the uh, Japanese would be um, um, harvesting these whales or killing them whatever you want to say they're killing them Um, and they go out and throw like ropes and stuff in the water to get tangled up in the propellers of the ships and do all this uh, kind of like non-violent they don't shoot anybody or anything like that but they'll they make these like stink bombs out of um these different chemicals that they they won't kill you or anything, but they stink so bad that you literally the people will have to get off the boats because they can't stand it. It just stinks so bad, just like that kind of like non-violent, uh, um, non-lethal. Not, I shouldn't even say non-lethal because it's not even going to hurt them. But like I said, like throwing ropes in the water and they'll get wrapped up in the propellers and try and cut the uh, like uh, fishermen's nets and stuff like that or whatever. And um, there's like a handful of these people on this this ship. And then these, um, I don't know if it's Finland or Sweden. No, maybe like Iceland. I can't remember. Uh, there's there's these guys that, uh, this one guy's a real asshole. It's almost like you would think he was, he was kind of like a, that, that documentary about the South African uh, boar, uh, the, the leader, the driver, and the driver's wife. Uh, it's sort of like one of those guys. He's a real asshole uh, right wing kind of uh, whites. I don't know if this guy's a white supremacist. I know that they're really like uh, nas- they're nationalists because they have this big pride and you know coming from the Vikings and everything. Well, he was such an asshole in the before the the uh, the massive event that caused all this, and he was like almost at war because he was one of these commercial fishermen that would go out and, and they would kill all these whales and the other guy. Who the way they draw him, he looks like Robert Redford from Three Days of the Condor. He's the head of the uh, Greenpeace kind of guys, and um, um, they have been at war, almost like a war against each other. 
and they're the two leaders and they hate each other well then after this event takes place um the guy that's the head of the of the the uh like the viking people they say okay you know th- there's limited in what they need to do but to survive they will go out and kill these one this one type of whale and they're not an endangered species anymore because of this massive um uh, uh, cataclysm or whatever that happened uh all these like whales and stuff they're just so plentiful because nobody's killing them and um so they have decided that they're going to go back to the old ways the old ways of the vikings they're only going to fish for what they need to live there's no commercialism there's no uh, capitalism they're not trying to make any money they'll go out and kill like one whale for the village one whale uh like a year or something and then they'll take the the whale in they'll cut it up and they'll they'll uh you know salt it or whatever they do put it in barrels uh, t- like like the native americans they always say like with the buffalo they would take every part of it and use it um and then we come over and fucking just start shooting them wholesale to make fucking beaver or not beaver hats that's how we did the beaver too but uh just kill them wholesale and just slaughter them well they said you know they're just going to do it well the 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 Greenpeace kind of guys that are led by the Robert Redford sort of guy. I just keep picturing him as Robert Redford because he looks like Robert Redford in Three Days of the Condor. He is... um, He hates this guy so much. And he looks at these whales as living animals that nobody should kill. They should have the right to survive and live. That he... Even though the whole world is pretty much like destroyed in governments and everything... He's still ready to go to war with this guy who only has like, you know, a handful of people in this village. Maybe, like, well, I don't know how many, but like, say he's got like 50 people or even 100 people. This guy's ready to go to war with them over them killing just this whale, these like one one or two whales a year to survive. And it's really good. So anyway, I, I mean, I'm just telling too much probably, you know, but that's really good. And so I got on there and got the other issues of it that lead up to all this and uh because i want to read them it's a really i never heard anything about that and i didn't even know dark horse was the one that put it out but it doesn't surprise me because they put out so much good stuff um old man logan i started reading that um that ongoing series uh i read the mini series long to, uh you know uh, a while back and then this is the ongoing series um it's really good uh, the, the last ones that I read I actually have uh, Count Dracula uh, which is the Dracula from Marvel like uh, uh, Tomb of Dracula Dracula but I hate the way they draw him now I mean they try and draw him like a super villain he's got like white hair pulled back in a ponytail he does not look like the Tomb of Dracula Dracula um, I don't know why why they don't eh, I chewed this gum so much it's just turned into mush <laughs> you just heard me gag on I was going to say on TV, but it's not TV. Throw this gum away. Dig. There's my shopping list. You ever chew gum so much that it just starts falling apart and it's not even sticky anymore? Ugh, the fuck? It's like having mush in my mouth. Um, let's see. Old Man Logan, like I said, it's got... Uh, and it and also has the Howling Commandos, which I kind of like. <laughs> I like when they take uh, a group... 
when they had the Howling Commandos uh, actual like series, they had Dum Dum Dugan was the, uh, the of course the head of them, um, and they kind of threw some people together. It's kind of like when they did Thunderbolts and they did it right, where they just take some of the some characters that they don't use and put them together and make a good story out of it. Well, the Howling Commandos are in these last couple issues, and so is Jubilee. Um, and this is old man Logan, so this isn't this. You know the the original Logan is what the hell happened? That motherfucker, he's dead. But th- when they did their consolidation of all their timelines and universes, old man Logan, who was from an alternate future, was put back into our regular time. So he's like an old man. He's like the the uh, one that you saw in Logan with uh, Hugh Jackman, but he's put into the regular time, and he's having to deal with that, and at first he's really paranoid because of all the shit that happens in his future. He's th- he's thrust back in the past, but what he doesn't realize at first is that his future is is not necessarily the future of this past. Because he doesn't trust anybody and he feels bad and all this stuff. And then they're like, wait a minute, you know, you don't understand. The way the timeline works is there's many different futures. You came from your future where all this awful stuff happened, but that's not necessarily our future. That's not it, it's not necessarily what's gonna happen. And so it's a it's an interesting thing there. Um, one thing I posted on the comics group, and I, I see these on a lot of other groups, and they're kind of kind of goofy. I don't know if I say they're kind of goofy. If you have fun with it, it's it's fun. But when people start arguing and fighting about shit, it, it's it's really dumb and childish. But I put down like, what if uh, who would win a battle between Solomon Grundy and Bane? And, um, you know, Solomon Grundy's one of, one of my favorite villains. I love the, you know, born on Monday, you know, and all that shit. Um, and Bane has never been one of my favorite villains. <laughs> like when he first came onto the scene and he fought Batman and broke Batman's back, which you see in the movie with, uh, Tom Hardy playing. Tom Hardy playing Bane. He talks like this all the time. <coughs> Shit, he did cough though. <coughs> um, I'm like a Elizabeth Shoe in The Saint. Anyway, I don't really like Bane. Um, the first time I saw Bane, I just thought he was this big muscle head, like what the the uh, Bane that Jeep Swenson played in the uh, kind of shitty Batman movie. Um, just a big muscle head. I didn't know that Bane was this uber super intelligent guy. But anyway, even if he is, um, I just don't like the character. <laughs> I I wish the the Tom Hardy when Tom Hardy played Bane in the movie, um, it was good, and I liked kind of liked the story and everything. I hated the way he fucking talked. <laughs> it sounded like he was talking when I was a little kid, and I would take a plastic cup and put it over my mouth and talk into it. It didn't sound cool at all. It's a, you know what you're doing, Batman. I'm going to go to Like, huh? Anyway. And that Razagul. I love when Christian Bale called him Raz. <laughs> what are 
are you doing, Ross? You know, anyway, so he was fine. Christian Bale was the best. I don't give a fuck. Ben Affleck, I, just my opinion. And this is another thing where, you know, people can have a nerd fight. All of a sudden, Ben Affleck's the greatest Batman ever. Oh, my God, he's so good. Oh, he's so good. Oh, Batman. You know, he played the Frank Miller Batman, which is basically a, a fucking paranoid fascist prick. <laughs> I shouldn't say prick, but, man, when you attack somebody for what they might do, you know, and oh, I better start planning on killing all my friends because something might happen. Um, anyway, but we won't have enough time. But if I have enough time, I can plan. And if I have enough time to plan, if I have... Oh, I, I talked about this on the group. If I never have to hear, if Batman has enough time to prep, you know, they always said, hey, man, Batman has enough time to prep. He can beat anybody. He can, he has He has prep time. Well, you know, okay, let's see. Batman against Galactus. Well, if he has enough time to prep, he'll fucking... If he goes... If they go by, like, how a normal scientist and evolution and stuff like that works, he would have to have so much time to prep that he would die of old age before he could ever, like, actually fight Galactus. I don't know. Unless he had the ultimate nullifier or whatever. Who gives a fuck? But I just hate that. Like, somebody somebody, somebody uh, summed it up. I said, I don't know why I hate it, but no matter who they say, no matter how powerful or who it is, the, the, their argument is, if Batman had enough time to prep, he could beat him. And somebody actually said on the group, and, and I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly who it was, because I give them props. They hit it right nail right on the head. They said, because that argument is a conversation stopper. Where do you go from there? You know, okay, if if you had enough time, if Batman had enough time to to prep, he could beat anybody. Okay, well, I guess we won't talk anymore because he can just he can beat anybody. You know, they need to get back to the fact that the guy's just a guy. You know, I don't know, but oh, he's oh, he's oh, he's the smartest, he's the fastest, he's the strongest, he's the strongest of the lad. Give me a break. Go suck him off. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, let's see. Grundy and Bane. Grundy need pants, too. Um, let's see. Ultimates 2. This is a new group that has, like, uh, Carol Danvers, who is Captain Marvel, uh, not Fred McMurray. Uh, then they have the... Um, remember at one time they had a Captain Marvel who was this African-American lady... Well, she's in this group, too, and she has a different name. I can't remember what it is now. They have the Blue Marvel, uh, who is a new, old character. It's almost like Sentry, where they created this character um, because they were talking about like racism in comics and how... Uh, and especially nowadays, where they say, okay, well, we, we need to... Uh, because comics have been so dominated by white men, the characters... That uh, we need, or or that we need to to uh, level the playing field. So instead of creating new, cool, long-lasting female characters, Asian characters, African American characters, Hispanic characters, uh, Hindu, Muslim, whatever, they take a character and they say, "Okay, we're going to make Thor a woman. We're going to make Wolverine a woman. We're going to make Captain America African American," and to me, okay, I can go along with it as long as the story's good and as long I, hey, it's like Scarlett Johansson and the Ghost in the Shell. As long as the fucking movie's good and the story's good and it entertains me, 
That's all I care about. Um, sure, if the world was a better place, you know, Ghost in the Shell may, may have had an Asian lady as the the main character, but, you know, I have no power over that. So, you know, and it's the same with this. Um, if, like I said, now with this Blue Marvel, I'm really interested. That's one of the reasons I started getting Ultimates, the new Ultimates team. Uh, what they are is a, is a group that they put together to f- uh, the, the governments, like, uh, of I don't know if it's the UN or who. I mean, I know it's S.H.I.E.L.D. and... Um, What's that other group they have now? Like Alpha Flight's involved, and Sword. There's a group, uh, like a group like Shield called Sword, or S Word. <laughs> and uh, but they're a group of heroes put together to fight cosmic uh, threats. And um, like this Blue Marvel, they created him. And like I said, Sentry did not exist. And then they came along and they said, okay. Robert Reynolds was this great superhero along the lines of Superman back in the day, and he existed, and he was so powerful, but he had mental problems, and so they pretty much like erased his memory, and he was living as just a normal guy, did not know that he had all this power, or was the sentry and everything, and then they needed him, so they during Avengers Disassemble, you know, the, this, uh, the raft, this prison for all these superpower villains, you know, uh, they have a big riot and everybody's escaping and they look in on this guy and he's sitting in, in this cell with this long beard and long hair and they said, who's that? And they said, it's Robert Reynolds. And they said, who's Robert Reynolds? And he said, he's the greatest hero ever, you know, the most powerful, greatest hero of all time. And he said, well, I've never heard of him. And he said, well, you know, he's in here because he killed his wife or something. Well, then they tell the whole story, but um, he, you know, that did, Robert Reynolds never existed. The Sentry never existed. It was just a story that they created to create this character and everything. Well, the same thing they're doing with uh, Blue Marvel. Um, they did this the right way. Uh, instead of saying, okay, we're going to have, we need more African-American characters, so we're going to make Iron Man... Well, they just did that, too. Iron Man is now an African-American lady. Um, I was going to use that as an example, but, you know, how they did that, or Thor is now a woman, or Captain Marvel for a while was Kamala Khan, um, Captain America, or Captain Marvel. Captain America is now Sam Wilson, you know. Um, with this, they created a new character. They did it along the same lines as the century, where they said, okay, this guy has been around forever. He was before Fanta- before Fantastic Four, before Spider-Man, before Captain America, the Avengers, and the Hulk, and Thor, the original you know, Marvel lineup that was the first big ones. He was even before that. He is super smart along the same level as Reed Richards, Super powerful along the same lines as uh, good for DC, like Superman or you know whoever. Uh, and that, because they said you know they would always make these these superheroes, whether like say an African American superhero, he might be the sidekick of Captain America, like Black Panther or Falcon or whatever. Uh, but they said you know we want to make 
one that is on the level or, or, or a hero that's an, Afri- an African-American hero that is on the level of the smartest and the best of all these other characters, these the, the Caucasian characters that, you know, have been around for years and years and years. So I'm really intrigued by this character and everything, and, and that's when I started getting Ultimates. And, uh, and uh, I, man, this is so good. It's really good. Uh, Galactus is in this, and I guess since they did the... Okay, Galactus was like a force of nature. He's a world eater. Uh, he has this unquenchable hunger, and he has to find planets to 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 eat you know to um, and it'll kill everybody on the planet but that's how he lives that's how he survives it's almost like Dracula I mean Dracula is not like real probably thrilled about sucking people's fucking blood and killing them but or especially the ones that um, Dracula creates you know that you know they try and f- at first like in the the movie we just did with Bill Paxton you know uh, you know, it's like well, I don't want to kill these people, and they're like, "Well, wait a minute, you have to stop looking at them as people. You look at them as cattle or food." Like in the, uh, the massive with the people looking at the whales, you can't look at them as like a, a, a living being or whatever. We need them to survive to eat, you know. So that's a kind of the vegetarian. It's 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 funny that the Dracula thing has went into like a vegetarians versus meat eaters. You know, you can't look at these people that we're sucking the blood out of as as people and feel sorry for them it's uh we have to you have to live you know we have to eat um you know and there's so many different levels of that you don't as far as vegetarians you don't have to like uh coop and alex and i talked about before there's so many sort of you know, people be like well huh, where do you get your protein from huh, if you're a vegetarian there's so many different sources of protein yeah you know as far as plants and uh nuts and stuff like that so anyway, man, I'll get off on that. Um, but uh, Galactus, in this new reorganization, re-imaging of um, Marvel, like I said in DC, where they had their shakeup, where they take all their, you know, Marvel had all these different realities, all these different timelines, and everything, and they did the big uh, Secret Wars thing, and when everything was put back together. Um, like I said, old man, some of the people from the different timelines, like Miles Morales, who's Spider-Man in the future, is thrust into now. So you have Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Again, that's another way to diversify, you know, comics, because you have Peter Parker, who's Spider-Man. But then you have Miles Morales, who is Hispanic, and he's Spider-Man. Uh, again, I don't mind that character, but I would rather see them create have him have his own thing than to become uh, an already established character. I mean, he's his own character, but he's still the new Spider-Man with the same powers and stuff. Um, Let's see. But Galactus, since he... I don't know if they had different... Galacti? (laughs) But when they did the big shake-up and they put everything back together, keeping certain characters and getting rid of some and reimagining some and some from a future, some from a different timeline, some from the past, whatever. Um, this Galactus is not a destroyer of life. He is a protector of life. So he is going to um, try and preserve all life. Instead of going to planets and trying to kill them to eat, 
he goes and tries to save them. Uh, and the Blue Marvel, who I talked about, <coughs> who I talked about just a minute ago, his big villain, the guy that he is legendary to have fought, which he, you know, like I said, they just created this character. This is not an old character. Uh, was this guy? I think the anti anti man, who is made of antimatter. Well, in the book that the book comic that I read, um, he I think goes up against Galactus, and he's like uh, kind of distraught and everything. And Galactus, basically the new Galactus, instead of you know taking his um, power, all this power that he has inside of him, and feasting on it, he says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to uh, turn you in from a, from a, a creature of um, uh, a destructive creature and, you know, this evil, bad man or whatever, and he gets him in his hand and he closes his fist and stuff happens. <laughs> you have to read it to find out. That's really cool. That's that's one right there where I'm like, man, I want to follow this. This is good, some good shit. I was looking up some uh, Big Barda stuff on on um, online. Um, I love that character, um, and that's another Kirby character. And I was looking up some of the animated uh, stuff that she's been in on YouTube. And uh, one of the more amusing things is when Flash calls her Big Bertha. Which uh, she didn't like. <laughs> Suicide Squad, new the the new Suicide Squad uh, comic is excellent. I got about uh, seven or eight of those, not expecting much. It's really good, and it's um, it's badass. It's not. Uh, I mean, these are these are not good people, and uh, it's really good. And they they don't. Uh, it's kind of like um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow TV show. You know, you have some of these characters, and they're you know they're villains, and they're they're sort of acting as heroes, but uh, some of them are still villains. <laughs> and that's the way this is. I mean, you know, they may be doing stuff because Amanda Waller has a bomb in their brain, but uh, there's a lot of them that still are not nice people. New Scarlet Witch comic is excellent. I read uh, a couple of those, and I really want to continue reading that. I hope it continues, and I hope it's still good. Uh, and I read a Hellblazer, which is John Constantine, and I really like that too. Uh, Thanos was the new one I read, like one of those. I thought it was really good. It, um, the one I read, Thanos isn't even in it. It's his son, Thane. Uh, but it's pretty good. I worked with a guy named Thane. That's kind of an odd name. Maybe he's the son of Thanos. And uh, I got some of the new Justice League. I'll be honest with you people. I put this on the group. I liked all the covers. But I was not really a fan of the fucking story. I don't know. It just it was just kind of average. Nothing really great. But so anyway, let me check the time here and see what we're going on here. I wanted to give you two hours and twenty five minutes. Well, my ass is starting to hurt from sitting here for so long. Probably need to get something to drink. But uh, like I said, some of this is comic stuff. Some of this is TV, and you know, I kind of went on and on. But it's. Uh, 5.39 in the morning, I had the day off, slept all day, and up all night, and I just came back from uh, a, a, a trek to the store to get some some goodies, and I just thought, you know, since we weren't going to put out a uh, a proper show, uh, Sylvan Gold with Loaf and Zom, 
uh, this week that I would give you something to chew on. I don't know if you want to listen to this crap or not. Some of you do. I don't know. Well, like I said, we got four people that listen religiously, so if I can get one out of four, <laughs> but we'll be back. We got we got uh, we got the two movies picked. One of them was picked by Alan, and the other one was picked by me, uh, which is the Robert Count Conrad movie. I can't even remember the fucking name of it that I discovered the hidden gem that I discovered on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, we'll be back uh, probably. Uh, I would say uh, we might be able to get one out uh, next weekend, but I'm not sure. We'll just have to see because, like I said, every other week, um, eh, I don't know. Maybe we will get one out uh, Sunday. We'll have to check and see. But, uh, like I said, Zomcast comes. It's like Robert Reynolds' The Century or uh, Blue Marvel. It, It shouldn't exist it's from an alternate this podcast is from an alternate timeline uh it should not even it should not even exist this is an anti-podcast if this podcast and silver and gold ever come together it will just it will create uh the massive and the waters will rise the volcanoes will erupt um uh Chitulu or whatever <laughs> these fucking giant monsters will will fucking walk the earth and um I don't know. We'll have to. We'll be back. So anyway, just bear with us. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll definitely uh, get to some more Rolf uh, feedback questions next week, and uh, we'll get you a good show out instead of this crap. So this is um. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> some. It's April something, and uh, I'm gonna close and uh, go watch some TV for a little bit. Let the months out. Maybe go for a walk. I don't know. But uh, this is Zom from Zomania saying Zom. What?